Welcome to Ram Nation Radio. This is our second week, our second episode. I cannot promise that we're going to keep up at this pace, doing it once a week, but for now, that's the goal. Today should be a good one. we got Bradley Van Pelt. He joins me in the second segment. We're going to do a 50-minute discussion that you are going to love. And like last week, I've got longtime Ram Nation guys, Mike Rowe, otherwise known as Cam's Chorizo, and Joseph Barron, a.k.a. Joey B., the real AD. Love these guys. They've been around since the very early days of RamNation.com. Just love hanging out with them and, and chatting with them. We got a daily chat, a text message thread going on, and they've got me rolling and laughing and learning how to cook, quite honestly. So I'm very happy to have them on with me every, every week. Uh, guys, what's new? What's up, gentlemen? I got my quarantine mask on, and I'm going to Tang's with my cape on with BVP. You're <laughs> too old for Tang's, man. Joe, you Get didn't go to Tang's. Yeah, I went to Tang's. I had my white. I had my white flesh shoes on. I had the Chevy Chase shoes on. That, that was Gators. That was Gators. Exactly. You went to Gators. Row and I went to Tang's. Gators. Yeah, yeah you're probably right. I'm back. an old fart. Five cent shots. Gators was solid, right? The lady in red? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ballerina chick. I swear to God, she is a mom at my school. Ballerina chick. I think that's made up. No. Does she wear yoga pants? No, no. Oh, my gosh. She wears heels, like stilettos daily, every day. Doesn't matter if it's an ice storm. She's in stilettos every day. But she told me, like, uh, last fall that she went to CSU. So she's around my age. And then, like, in December, she said she used to do ballet. And I'm like, you got to be ballerina girl. you got to be ballerina chick. Oh, can't, Tings. I miss Tings. Can't be her. So, Michael, give me the top five songs from Tangs. Because I know you put oh. out a Tangeray's mix for your, uh, your 90s <laughs> tailgate party last year or two years ago, whenever that was. Oh, man. Uh, Tupac. How do you uh how do you want it? How do you want it? Uh Poison DVD. by uh, Belbid DeVoe. Oh man, that's a that's a great question. Nine Inch Nails probably on uh, there. Close closer is number one. That's that that was the best things. I wanna like an animal. <laughs> <laughs> that was when Red Leather Dress Girl was at her. Yeah. Her top right there when that song exactly. came out. That's exactly uh, right. That's exactly right. How about Matter uh, by Nature? Yeah, maybe we got back in Hip Hop Parade. Maybe we got back. Yep. Oh, man. So if you need a copy of the Tangs mix, you can reach Mike Rowe at Mike.Rowe. <laughs> right? Uh, I, we'll, need to, uh, I need to get that on Spotify. You should. We need the Spotify mix of the Tangs. Tang, I want it on cassette. I want a cassette recording. Yeah. I'll do it for you on eight track, Joey. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So you, you, you guys, uh, th- this, this thread we have just to educate the general public here. This thread we have on. Um, actually, sometimes it gets a lot of hands, so we we go meet uh, in a bag. We go WhatsApp instead of text messaging. But yeah, this this you. Joey, you and I talked about like what we're going to order out or what's going in the crock pot or the big chicken. Um, uh, crock pot's my but, best friend. Right. Crock pot's my kids are hate it, but 
Um, but, I like but it. Nate, but, yeah, Nate, Nate, Mike, and uh, Three Ram. Three Ram, My Nate God. Diggs, and uh, Chorizo. They, they got to are... start posting pictures on Ram Nation of their uh, what they're smoking and barbecuing. It's amazing. Iron Chefs, yeah. You want us to show, show our meat online? Yeah, meat picks. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> juicy every time yeah so last night you showed pictures of this six dollar chuck roast and which by the way i saw at king supers on sale myself just a couple days ago and you you said it was like the best six dollar piece of meat ever and it looked freaking ridiculous obviously so, like you know how to prepare your your meat and 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 cook it in a way that makes it fantastic yeah i got this Very recipe impressive. from like one of the top writers from uh, Bon Appetit. And it, it, it talks about how when he throws parties and wants to serve steak, instead of going out and spending two, $300 on steak, he gets chuck roasts for 12, 20 bucks for, yep. to, feed, to feed the group and uh, explain how to cook it and how to season it and uh, all that. And so I tried it, I tried it a few months ago, loved it. And it's, like every time I do it, it just gets better and better. And so I did it on, I don't even know. The only days I know is yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Somewhere in that in that spectrum. But yeah, a couple of days ago, I think. It oh my God. Like, it, was, it looked like it this like best. tender, like flank steak. Oh, like, oh. I mean, like, I was like, really? I saw that thing. I'm like, I'm not buying this. It's going to taste like a shoe. But, oh, yeah. Yeah, so I so I do I have three different recipes with with the chuck roast. So I have that where I cut it up into steak. Then I have it's called poor poor man's burnt ends. So I smoke it for about five hours, then cube it, sauce it, put it back on. Uh for burnt ends. Uh if you've ever been to Kansas City, what they do with brisket with the fat cap on the brisket, they cut it up for burnt ends because it's got a lot of fat and meat, kind of like a chuck roast does. So I have that, and then talking about crock pot, I have uh, I have this oh my gosh, like amazing pot roast recipe with a chuck roast, that's just on point. Oh my god, except now it's too hot to to do one of those because it just yeah that's that's one of the cold weather uh, recipes. But it's oh yeah, it's great. Chuck roast is a great versatile piece of meat. Hey, like hey, hey Mike, when you. Hey Mike, when you guys were down at Tuscaloosa, did you guys go to any barbecue places where you guys just do too part too much partying? Nope. <laughs> I don't. No. I, I, we we did we did the Dreamland thing. Much. Yeah. So the Houndstooth, right out, you know, they've got like the indoor bar, and then yeah. outside they had this great patio, and they had like this temporary like tent set up. And I don't know if it was the Houndstooth or if it was like some external company that came in, like a truck company that came out and brought their their barbecue pork. Oh my God. I've never eaten so much pork in my life. Your pee just smells like pork for a week. <laughs> and, <laughs> those pork nachos were just on point. I probably had five of those in two days and it was so, so good. Friday uh, and Saturday. Just <laughs> yes. Yeah. So amazing. So Ro, I don't want to get too deep in the woods here, but I would listen to your Ram Sanity podcast uh, with those guys last week and and uh, you were kind of giving some tips and, you know, telling some stuff like you, you go, when you go on road trips, like, how do you cater? Like, how, like, how do you provide food for people when you're on road trips and you're staying in hotel rooms? You said like you actually have like multiple crock pots or like you're cooking in your hotel room. Airbnb, yeah. baby. 
So if it if it's a true road trip where I fly, uh, then usually we we'll, we'll we'll get it catered. Like for the yeah. Arizona Bowl, um, they had just opened an illegal pizza, and uh, my wife knew the marketing director who was who was down there at the time with illegal pizza, so they hooked us up. Great deal. Oh my God, I think we had like 150 people there and, and we still had a little bit of food left over. I mean, uh, when we went to the Minnesota tailgate, we probably had like 250 there. Jeez. At that one. But for that one, Johnny Shoup, I don't, I don't know if you remember. Yeah, I remember him, I remember him yeah. and his family. Yeah. Dean Lineman. Yeah. Dean Lineman. His, uh, so his mom is from, is from the Minnesota area and she had been there for a week before. And all her friends, I mean, they were hockey moms. And so they stayed up the whole week just drinking wine and uh, making breakfast burritos. So the day of the game, we, yeah, we did breakfast burritos. And I told people to just bring some cash and, and uh, beer. I mean, that's, again, that's the most important thing is, is the beer. And, uh, oh, yeah, it was awesome. But in Fort Collins, I do the crock pot or I'll bring my smoke. I got a tailgate smoker. And I'll bring that up to cook overnight or or I'll bring my big roaster and cook in our Airbnbs or or hotel or wherever yeah. we're staying. What's uh what's the most like what are you most proud of like as far as the tailgate goes from what you cooked and served to a lot of oh, people? The the, Lord. the Lord. whole dog. The Lord. whole dog that I cooked. Uh for the <laughs> Wyoming game in would have been two thousand fourteen. Yeah, I did a whole hog in 14 and 15. I did one for the, uh, the next year as well. Oh, those were amazing. Like, <laughs> got a like a 50-pound hog. My smoker's big enough that it fits. And, I mean, it was snout to tail. It barely fit in there. But it got in there and uh, stuffed it full of uh, some pork loin. So it was smoking inside, getting all that juice. And, and with uh, smoked sausage, packed that in there as well. Smoked them for uh, both times about 17 hours. <laughs> took them took to Fort Collins. It was, uh, it was crazy throwing away a pig carcass. <laughs> yeah, right. The, the next <laughs> – both times. <laughs> Threw it in the big trash can behind the trash part. can behind fuzzies? <laughs> yep. All right, I will delete that part so you don't get in trouble. That's fine. What – I took our engagement pictures at, at fuzzies. You did? Yeah, we took our engagement pictures at the Oval. Hughes, sweet picture of us on the 50-yard line there. I've seen that. That's cool. And then, uh, and then at Fuzzies. So for those of you who don't know, Mike and Tracy got married uh, the morning of a CSU home football game. Minnesota. Uh, and, yep, Minnesota. And then Lost. we're, we're Thanks, on, yeah, I know. That was awful. And then we're honored on the field. Tracy was in her uh, dress, and Mike was in his his suit. Uh, it was like a khaki suit. Uh, white, white white jacket. White, white white jacket, right? White yeah. jacket, Kangle. <laughs> yeah, the white Kangle hat. Yeah, the Kangle. You're gonna hear the reference to Kangle every every week. I I fear, but yeah, that that's pretty cool. In uh, Bighorn. Bighorn. What's, what's Tyler's? Bighorn Sheep, is that, is that Tyler's uh, yeah. handle? Mm-hmm. Yeah, his, his wife did all our photography. Oh, well, that's cool. Yeah. So we got engaged in 2014, the morning of the CU-CSU game. 
we won. I, I want to say is like two weeks later, Tyler's just came over to, to congratulate us at, at, at Hughes and we were talking and he's like, yeah, my wife's a photographer. And Tracy's like, oh yeah, well we need one. So he called her over there. We hammered it all out over beers at a tailgate. <laughs> Bighorn sheep, man. I, Tyler, I love Tyler. That was we need, awesome. We need more fans like him. I know people are like, oh, he's just a pump, sunshine pumper. But what's wrong with that? I mean, we need people who, like, look positively upon our program and, like, speak positively upon our program. Yeah. I love Tyler. I mean, he, he's, he's, a good, he's, a, he's a good resource. He's a good guy that CSU uh, needs. So that's yeah. cool. That's His cool. His wife did that. an amazing job. Amazing job with our photos. Made me look good, and that's hard. Hey, what what's on the cocktail agenda agenda for tonight, Joseph? What you got? I got a Lynchburg lemonade, a little Jack and lemonade, a little Jack and a uh, country time going in my Alabama cup. Oh, nice! Your Gillette's cup? I ran out of Coke. Coca Cola, no, that is. No Jack and ginger tonight. No ginger ale. No ginger ale. No, no, no Jack and lemonade. Whiskey? No honey. Is Jack it honey Jack? <laughs> it's actually Evan Williams and lemonade. <laughs> Hey, Evan Williams is a solid, uh, a solid American whiskey. That is a uh, nice economy whiskey right there. It was like seven ninety nine. Michael, Michael, do you have uh, Malort? Going no, on I, have, I am drinking a three year Havana Club El Ron de Cuba, Cuba, uh, Cuban <laughs> rum and Coke, a Cuba Libre, as a they Cuba say. Cuba Libre, as they say in Cuba. Right. Yeah, that's uh, what I'm drinking tonight. Good for you. I, I I don't know what the heck Malort is, but you talk about it all the time. And so I tried to Google it. And the first thing that came up was this list <laughs> that said 14 things you didn't know about Malort. So let me read you a few of them. It, the first one is, it says, it's not actually flavored with gasoline. <laughs> <laughs> that is a great description right um it uh oh, hold on hold on so for those of you who don't know this it, it's a uh it, it was Swedish used to ease menstrual cramps okay okay it, yeah i could i could see how it would relieve a menstrual cramp because your face really hurts more than what your ovaries probably would uh when you take a shot of it um so it's the Swedish liqueur. It's it used to only be available in Chicago. However, it expanded to Wisconsin three years ago, and now it expanded to Colorado. So Bevy's right down the street from us, Joel. Yeah. Uh, carries Parker. it. They carry carries it. Oh. Yeah. I'm gonna rush and, out and get it. Oh yeah. So we will be having that for the first tailgate of oh. the season. Uh, chilled to I'll wash try. out the I'll bad try. taste of the Mike Bobo era of CSU. That's how bad Mike Bobo was. That Malort will taste better than the taste that he left in our mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and this Mike Bobo meltdown session is brought to you by <laughs> by Malort. My Malort. All so right. I actually, I have a great picture of three Ram and Rambunctious doing malort shots at not, uh, not rambunctious yes 
at a tailgate. Not the- rambunctious. Wow, wow. It would have been the 2014. Rambunctious was not doing shots. I have the picture. The 2014 <laughs> Hawaii game because I, we did spam and malort for the tailgate. I need to see evidence. Yeah, I got it. All right. I got it. All right, well, uh, uh, my parting shot there is I'm looking through the rest of this list, and it says, Malort shares a name with everyone's favorite nuclear meltdown. In Swedish, it means wormwood. In Russian, the translation is Chernobyl. So I, I might steer clear of, of Malort. It doesn't oh, it's, it's something you got to have. You got to have it at least once in your it's life. It's acquired taste, right? Oh, and, and Queers, Queers was there. He had a shot of it, too. Queers was there? Yes, he had a shot of it, too. Hmm. All right. Another Ram Nation legend that's on our text thread. Yes, he is. Sharing his fitness. That picture ideas. of you, Mike, and, and cute queers on the 50-yard uh, line. The last game at Hughes. <laughs> Good stuff. Good stuff. Oh, my gosh. In our, in our cheerleading poses? Cheerleading <laughs> poses. Oh, we got to post that on Ram Nation. That's a great picture. That was after I got uh, something stuck in my eye during the fight song. Got a little dusty. In the- okay, so I got to tell this story. So Mike, he's not ashamed of it, but we, <laughs> we, the final game at Hughes Stadium, I think it hit people, some people harder than others. To me, it, it really, like, yes, I was, I was a little sad, but I was so excited for the future and this new stadium and being on campus and the change and, like, going big time. But Mike, oh my goodness, the guy was sobbing the entire day, like from the pregame tailgate, during the game, and then certainly after the game, like we're all celebrating this victory over New Mexico. And I, I like the, the, the goalposts were torn down and handed, like everyone's fl- flooded the field. The, the goalposts are being handed over everyone's head and they come our way. And I'm looking at Mike and he's got tears streaming down his face. And then ten minutes later, we're singing the fight song, and he could like he's getting choked up. He could barely he could barely sing the fight song. Poor guy, it was. Just so I had the bright idea to go through every photo album that I have and pull pictures of tailgates at Hughes. So I had stuff from college, right after college, all the way to that season, and I put together a about an hour long slideshow, and I had a projection monitor at our tailgate and was just showing it. And it, you know, it was a night game, so it's just blaring on there. And uh, it was awesome putting it together. And then I start watching it during the tailgate, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. It's like, I remember that tailgate. I remember that tailgate. And I'm just – there's a lot of wind blowing, and it kept getting <laughs> in my eyes. Um, the dust – I mean, that's why being on campus is better. What, what happened to your voice, though? You could, it was, like, cracking quite a bit. <laughs> well, the dust was, like – The dust was getting in your, yeah. your larynx. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Gotcha. <laughs> well, great times. Great times. Good, good times. Good times. We had a lot of memories there. Did you guys? Did you guys, did you guys get? Hey, hey. Did did this? This is gonna sound kind of uh, weird, but did you guys get kind of like uh, not choked up, but emotional walking into that the first game at Canvas, and like when you're walking walking up to the stadium, the bands that band was playing, and then the marching band came in, and it was just it was just packed. I yeah, was like, I finally, we have a game day on campus. At Hughes, for sure. Like, it was like. This yeah, was, I agree. It was, that was a cool moment. Yeah. So, 
Um, ben Aker, I can't think of his, his handle on Ram Nation. Green Acre. Uh, Green, Green Acre, yep. Green Acre. So he his, hasn't posted his, in a while. His seats are like three or four rows behind mine at Canvas. So we have first row where the players come out at. <laughs> I had no idea. On, on I Love CSU Day on the 18th, April 18th, he posted a video from when the players ran out and everyone's cheering. And apparently it got dusty in my eyes that day. <laughs> and I like turn around. I'm like, I'm not crying. You're crying. So yeah, Joey, it did happen. That, that was contagious. That, uh, uh, all right. Good man. Good man. Good man. I'm telling you, I think once you hit 40, like the, the waterworks just start. You well, see a commercial. Once you, be, once you become a father, especially of a girl. Yeah. Oh. Like Tom, like Tom Rinaldi stories on ESPN. I start crying like every Saturday morning before I go to a game. You know. Well, that's why you need to be watching soccer. Well, moron. I do that too. Yeah, I know. <laughs> You're like Hot W, Spurs. the moron. Go, go Spurs! Go Spurs! Up the Irons! The Irons! Shouting the Spurs! Spurs! Paul Gascoigne from the '80s. You play, play after like drinking a liter of uh, vodka the night before. Just awesome. Is Joey awesome. a front runner? Dude, I'm a hooligan. He's a hooligan. You're, I'm a hooligan by myself. I put my face in my own house, sit alone. <laughs> I eat my egos with a screwdriver. <laughs> Tottenham was I like I the text Broncos Tottenham. in the 80s. He's what? Tottenham was like the Broncos in the 80s. They were like good but could never win. Could never exactly. win at all. That's, that's what Tottenham is. Okay, but good, good, but never winning at all was going to the Super Bowl four times. That's well, they're, they're always around, like getting in the championship league, or or in the championship or Champions League, sorry, or or Europa Cup, which is that they're they're always at the we top saw. of the table. They're always pushing for up there. They didn't get regulated down like your Darby relegated. County. Relegated. Darby, yes, Darby's been down for about a decade now, a little more than a decade. But hey, once they get up, oh, then it's on, then it's on. It's on like Donkey Kong. If they would have won when I was in London last year, I probably wouldn't be here right now to uh, to be on this podcast. I probably wouldn't have made it back from from London town. <laughs> London. All right, Joel, so I can barely Joel, remember how I got home. What's up, Jesse? I, I remember getting in the Uber, and that was the last thing. And it was only uh, like a 12-minute Uber ride. Wait, you not remembering something from yeah. a night? It happens every Shocker. Month. Yeah. <laughs> All right, to get away from soccer. Hey, Joel, what, what's your deal with your master's trip this year? Are you guys you're still going to be going in November? How does that affect your trip? Yeah, I think I think we are. We're um, crazy. So, got, yeah, so my, my bucket list master's golf trip. So excited to go. Um, it's fun, man. It's great. I cried when I went through the gates there at 7 o'clock in the morning in 2007. Did you eat the, like, pimento cheese sandwiches and all that for $2? Yep. yep. Yeah. I, I, it, it's awesome. It's just a great time. Dude, I go uh, through the servant centrics every time to go mow the greens. I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> you make you a good sandwich, that? Mike. Why do you say that? <laughs> Sorry. Michael. Sorry, Joel. Go ahead. Talk about the trip you can't make. I'm not going to bring it up like Joe asked, but yes, bucket list. I was ready to check it off. It got postponed to November. I am hopeful that we are still going to make the trip in November, Joseph. 
I, I'm, yeah, I'm excited I, for do you. you. Think they'll, do you think they will truck in the azaleas and all that stuff in November when they're it's, really not in it's season? Definitely, it's definitely going to be different colors, right? It's going to be, you know, fall foliage and stuff. And I bet they get the blowers out because all the leaves will be blowing or, you know, falling that time of year. Right. So. But no, I hope, man. I, I hope it happens. Hope it happens. Well, happy for you. One of the when uh, is it scheduled for? November, the week before oh, Thanksgiving, right? The whole month. Dude, first week in November, second week in November. Seventh. <laughs> the <Eighth>. whole month. <laughs> it's yeah. my week. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's uh, it's Masters Month. Masters Month. <laughs> you got to keep your distancing, so they play three holes a day. <laughs> Mike's gonna go yeah. in a white suit. Go to the I gotta, shack. I got. I'm here. I, I wonder if DJ. Uh, Ram Master is, is, has ever gone. I'm sure he has. I got to get. Some I'm sure he has too. But Man, my, he's played all over. He's played all over the I'm world. I'm excited about that trip, but I definitely want to get out to um, Phoenix with you boys for the Phoenix Open. That, that's, you don't want to go with Joel, Joey. <laughs> you don't want to go with Joe. The person who has fun. <laughs> Joey's not fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll wave to you as I'm up in the sweet and sixteen. Again, he he's corporate. I'm 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 the sixteen sixteenth hole party kid. All right, so I got to know. I'm, I don't. We can't go too off tangent here, but everybody says that like you've got to like camp out for the sixteenth hole to get in this grandstands there. Yeah. And you said uh, you you said for like three years straight, you just walk right in whenever you want, and you've got your seats. How's that? Yeah. Possible? Well, well, there's actually less seats now since they closed it in. When, like on the last podcast, I was talking about when I was back there, back in like the late 2000s, like 2007 or so for six and five, th- there was no, they didn't close it in like a stadium. That whole hill was just wall to wall, shoulder to shoulder, people on people. It was just fantastic. And then when they put the seats in there, it became less rowdy and, they, and there was actually less people in there um, than there used to be. But um, they had to get rid of the, that hill, put bleachers around there because – People were they would get all drunk. They would pour beer down the hill and have a beer slide. And, you know, <laughs> so it, it was really, it, it was a, yeah, it was pretty much a shit show. Like you know, later in the day when the TV cameras were off at like hey, seven yo. o'clock at night, girls in mini dresses sliding down. Oh, that's still that kind of stuff still happens. The the talent there. Is, Mike yeah. and Barry. Then, the, then he had the girl this year. She got escorted out by the cops for flashing. Oh, we saw some shots of that. It's on, yeah, it's on Twitter and YouTube. Mike, yeah. I think got some of those. I think he sent some of the. Oh, yeah, yeah. Was that Mike? Was that yeah. Mike? Mike someone, sent it to someone a, had a like up close Twitter. Uh, no, you had it up close and personal. That's for sure. I, I saw it and sent you guys a picture. The the tw- one on Twitter was a better feed. Mike's on the Johnny on the spot. All right. Uh, you know it's awesome. Uh, <laughs> no, I just have I just have hookups. Like all I do need to do is get inside and then once i'm inside then just like moves. just like course field i've experienced that you yeah. got connection you've got connections wherever I, you go i've ex- i've experienced uh course field with mike right yes you <laughs> have yeah. hey cheers, right. to, cheers to dan uh yeah dan still thinks i'm a good looking guy god bless him he <laughs> came and bought us shots after the game <laughs> oh my god Joey had uh, a I'll never live that moment down, Joel. Okay, let me get us back on track. Good, good, good reminiscing, good, good stuff. Joe, Joey B getting hit on by a gay bartender at Coors Field. Just a beautiful night. Free shot. Okay, okay right, we got to tell wait, this wait, story. Wait, 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 wait. 
Ro, put that in your pause for just one second. <laughs> so we're about to have Bradley Van Pelt on. I did a, a an interview about 50 minutes worth earlier today. I was on that trip. That was 2003. We're Which in San, the San Francisco Bowl. His very last game of his career. I'm in San Francisco, and I was having just a great time. Like, we had so much fun. It was an average year from a CSU standpoint. And we are at the Marriott in San Francisco, downtown. Of course sure you were. It, where it was a team hotel. So there was, like, team – there was activities, and, like, there was a big party the night before the game. And some of the players came down. You know, they were very well-behaved and weren't, like, overdoing it. But BBP was there. I got a picture with him. It was cool. You remember he, like, hurt his hand. We were unsure if he was going to play. And uh, he ended up playing. Had a pretty good game. They were handing – like, the Alumni Association was handing out these stickers. It was like, I'm a CSU Ram. I stuck it on my shirt. The end of the night, we are getting ready to go. The party thing was over at the hotel. And we're going to go out on the town, me and, me and a few guys. The sticker, the alumni sticker that they gave us, like, I ripped it off. And it left this giant circle like with the remnants of the sticker on my shirt. And I'm going, I'm like, crap, I can't go out like this. I look like I got this third boob. And I go to the bathroom and I'm scraping this thing off. And this guy comes up to me. He's like, what's, what are you doing? And I'm like, well, I've, I tried to rip off this sticker because we're going to go out and it won't come off. So I'm like rubbing it with soap and water. He goes, let me help you. And he, he like puts my hands down to my side and he starts rubbing my nipple off my shirt and i'm like what are you doing and so i yell and i'm like you don't do that you're violating me and he like took off and he ran and i'm like you're violating i I was traumatized i was like what just happened what just happened some guy just rubbed my nipple but someone said well you are wearing a visor in san francisco i'm like what does that mean they said well visor is code for your gay so, oh. so, so I got completely molested at the Marriott uh, lobby bathroom by some guy <laughs> who. I you gonna say it was BVP rubbing your nipple. It yeah, was, it was not BVP. <laughs> BVP is he's, he's not into that. So anyway, <laughs> is that why when we were out with Triangle, <laughs> you can wear your visor that weekend? <laughs> okay, That's a good shot. Trying, yeah, Triangle was probably there. Never knew that story, dude. Yeah, well, that's that was, amazing. That wasn't the most proud moment, but anyway. So BVP, I was too poor to get back then to go to that bowl game. Well, you're only like two years younger than me. Was and that now, the now you're was that a sticker or the, or the new, uh, the new, uh, that was at the new stadium there downtown, right on the pier? No, that was no, the no, AVP no. It was, it was at it yeah. was. It was at the baseball yeah. stadium, which is really cool. How, I mean, how was that set up? Was, was that crappy set up for a football yeah, game or was I mean, it fun? You know, for a one-time thing, it was cool. You know, they had like this, this, uh, this temporary bleachers behind the, the far side. Uh, McCovey Cove. Yeah, McCovey Cove. There was, a, there was bleachers out there. Yeah, it was, it was weird. But it was a great time. Great time. We ended up losing to Boston College. It was disappointing. That was a disappointing year because uh, that team was talented and he had BVP as quarterback. Yes, Buster. Yeah, and and Bradley talks about that in this interview. So, you know, I, I'm curious to get like your thoughts, Michael. I know you joke about this crap all the time. It drives me crazy, and I will always understand that you love Moses Moreno first. He's better. Uh, Mo- no, <laughs> Moses. Moses. 
He won a conference championship in 95. Two and 97. And 97. He had a bowl win in 97, so props to him. But BVP had a conference championship in 2002, and he did not have a bowl win. Uh, but He won the New, New Orleans oh, Bowl. Yes, yes, yes. He did win the New Orleans Bowl. That's right. But then he went – he lost to TCU in 2002, and he lost to BC in 2003. What was his record against Air Force? I'm going to say he's, he's – I pro- think we beat him every year. He's either 2-1 and I, one or 3-0. and oh. yeah, I'd have to look it up. But anyway, everybody loves BVP, right? So what are you guys' memories of him? He brought it every, he brought it every game, man. Every friggin' game he brought it. We, we, so we lost the game. It was when we lost to Louisville 7-2, to <laughs> a baseball score. God, you remember um, that. That's exactly right. It was 7 Oh, my God. I forgot about that. Oh, my that, God. Man. I think he was – I want to – it was like a T, Tim Tebow-esque Broncos – like he completed like two passes or, I mean, it was not a good outing throwing, but he basically kept us on the field the entire time. We couldn't score, but just by running around, like, like we had nothing going. Neither team had anything going. Both defenses looked great, but the only thing CSU did was him running and running around. So again, we lost, but like you could see he was a football player. He's, he seriously is one of the best football players ever. I've, I've ever seen. Yeah. He extended the play better than anybody at CSU quarterback. I'm excited for you guys uh, to hear this, all you Ram fans out there, because he, 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 digs, he digs in deep in some of these memories. And, you know, it's pretty touching. He talks about how disappointing it was because he had – he was 100 yards shy of becoming the first ever college student athlete to throw for 3,000 yards and 100 yards rushing. Run for 1,000. And, and, and he was – he yeah, yeah, run for 1,000 yards rushing. And he – you know, he was injured. His hand was injured down the stretch. I think uh, – what I read? Vince Young was the first, first one that ever did it a few years later, a couple yeah. years later. But BVP, our quarterback, was yeah. the first one – like he, he got closer than anybody that, to ever do it. He would have but, been in the high, but, he, he would have been look, in talks for the Heisman if he was in a big power conference. I'm telling yeah, you, he no, he played, if well, he played for like a US, not, not, UCLA, not with, that, not with that record, but and that, and that's what he lost some games we just shouldn't have. And, and part that's, of it was because he was that's hurt. exactly what he says, Mike. He 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 talks about it. He still it we still kills him to this day. Mexico game that might have been the last time New Mexico beat us, but we lost there, and I remember. Because was was Bimper our, our our center then too? Like one of our our center had a broken hand as well, and so they were we ran the pistol that game because Bradley had a broken hand, and our center had a broken hand, so he was snapping with his with his left hand, and it, Bradley had like two just fumbles on the on the snap, and yeah, we lost we lost at New Mexico. It was just such a bad loss. I mean, should it be CU, our defense, our defense just didn't do the job. I mean, how many slants did uh, – dude, that guy j- got drafted because of that game. Who was it? That housed like three in two, slants. In 2003? Yeah. He like uh, housed like three slants, like 50, 60 yards. Joel Klatt had like his greatest game ever. Joel Klatt went 3-0 and against us, and it's yeah. uh, the most disturbing – yeah. Did he? Yeah. Yes, he did. Or 2-0. No, 
I'm pretty sure he's three now. Yep. Oh, God, well, didn't did, didn't Saban didn't Saban recruit Van Pelt at Michigan State yeah, he, as a defensive play, player? He he fresh, play there, right? Yeah, yeah. So hey, hey, fellas, let me uh, let's get to our break, and we'll go to this interview with with BVP. Nice. And, excited to hear it. And we'll come back. We'll come back in just a few. Hey, shots awesome. to uh, Ginger and Baker. We love you. Yeah. Keep it going, Jack Graham. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, and, and I appreciate you saying that because I was going to bring that up before we go to break. Ginger and Baker, man, they, they made the decision to shut down even their, their takeout service for the time being. As soon as we are given the okay to open, they will be open, and I just beg you to support them once the shelter at home uh, is lifted. Ginger Graham is a great owner. She's got a great staff, amazing food, amazing facility amazing service what an atmosphere and food and drinks awesome awesome place so uh she is one of the nicest people you can ever meet so nice i mean so so nice in uh yeah joey was telling the story about how when when jack would visit the tailgate that, that wasn't jack's doing that was ginger saying hey you need to go over yeah. guys. so yeah. no totally but he's great people great people great great people um and great csu community members so Please support Ginger and Baker. We'll be back after this with Bradley Van Pelt. Welcome back to Ram Nation Radio. Very excited about this next segment one of my favorite Colorado State Ram football players ever uh, I know it's he's a fan favorite uh, of, of most alumni um, he's provided a lot of great memories in Fort Collins and a lot of wins and uh, kind of epitomized uh, the football program and the and the greatness of the football program in the in the early 2000s there when uh, Sonny Lubick had things cranking and We've got Bradley Van Pelt on with us, and uh, just before we pressed record here, he and I were catching up a little bit about what what life is like here in the quarantine, and, and would love to ask you about that again. Brad, thanks so much for joining us, man. It's it's really a pleasure to have you on. Thanks a lot, Joel. It's always a pleasure uh, to speak about uh, Ram football, about the past, and also the future, so uh, looking forward to it. Uh, these days, actually, I was mentioning, I'm having my fourth child with my beautiful wife, Rachel, uh, so I'm a busy father. Um, you know, currently I'm actually working in San Francisco, California. I actually work for a charging technology company. I handle their operations. Even though I live in Santa Barbara still, I commute back and forth uh, in California. So busy all around, but still uh, football's on my mind and, and Colorado State in particular. That's great, man. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I did stalk your LinkedIn profile um, before we got on here just to kind of see, because I know you were involved in the wine industry for a while. Uh, and it looks like for the last several years, you've, you've kind of jumped into some different ventures. So tell me a little bit more about what, you got, what you're doing now. Yeah, well, you know, first and foremost, I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a passionate wine and, you know, enthusiast. Uh, I still collect. It's still very close to my heart. Uh, matter of fact, I always, you know, believe that wine will be my future. But I took an opportunity uh, to jump into some really exciting, exciting startup scene. Uh, of course, you know, I'm pretty sure everyone's familiar with Silicon Valley and, and what comes out of it. Uh, I had a chance to join some old colleagues, uh, work colleagues, 
and they're really in the uh, electric uh, charging space, and, and in particular, small uh, electric vehicles, which actually are going to be the e-scooters and the e-bikes and even yeah. drones and, and bots, anything electrified and under 60 volts. So, you know, I run the operations for them, uh, have a little experience previously uh, out of the wine industry doing, you know, I guess similar um, operational roles and so I thought it was a fun opportunity and, and so I took it and it, it's exciting. It's different, but I think like anything in life, you got to be willing to take new challenges, uh, open up your mind. And I think uh, it was a, it was a great move and you know, I got uh, plenty of years ahead of me to decide what's next. That's awesome. Um, and, and you and, and your wife and your, your kids are, are healthy and, and surviving these crazy days with the quarantine. <laughs> Yeah, you know, uh, where I live in Santa Barbara County in a place called San Inez Valley, uh, which is really the wine-growing region of Santa Barbara, uh, you know, we haven't really had it tough at all. We're not quarantined. We haven't really had any cases, no deaths. So, you know, for us, it's just been a great opportunity to spend time together as a family. Uh, it's amazing to see, you know, some of my children kind of have, uh, you know, developing new bonds, right, because they typically are separated when they go to school, but now they're at home all day together. So... Uh, I, I've had actually a pretty good time. I, I do feel for the people in the businesses, uh, you know, they've had a little rougher, uh, but I, you know, I feel that I'm quite fortunate and we just, uh, you know, waiting it out, waiting it out and uh, getting ready for the, the, the surge when everything comes back. Right. And uh, what are you doing for fun these days? Uh, you know, outside of watching your kids grow up and hanging with your wife and what's, uh, what do you do for fun and, and getting away from work and everything? Yeah, well, you know, that's a great question. Being as busy as I am now, and you know this as a, as a father of four, a lot of my free time is dedicated to my family uh, and my wife and, and work. But, you know, I still like to get out and be active in the outdoors. Uh, you know, I'm definitely still working out and keeping myself youthful. So, you know, I don't, I don't have the hobbies, unfortunately. I don't, I don't skateboard as much as I used to. Uh, I don't get, in, you know, the water and surf, and I definitely don't play as much golf. So, I aspire to do more of those activities in the future, but right now I feel like I'm, I'm smack dead right in the middle of my career years uh, and just being a family man. How old's your oldest kids? You know, my oldest is four and a half. Uh, he's a boy named Justin or Abe and Justin, and then I have a, a three-year-old daughter named Vienna Lynn. I have a one-and-a-half-year-old daughter named Brielle Hunter, and then our fourth is going to be coming in September so, uh, you know, and, and that one actually is going to be a boy. So it looks like in September I'll have, uh, you know, my second boy and I already have two girls. So we'll be balanced, a balanced group. That's the same as me. I had a uh, bookend boys and two girls in the <laughs> middle. So <laughs> nice, nice. So, uh, so you're not into this, the youth sports yet, the craziness of youth sports yet. Well, you know, just getting into it. Um, you know, my, my oldest, uh, uh, Justin is just getting into soccer, just getting into t-ball. And of course, t-ball got canceled this year. Uh, right as uh, the coronavirus hit, yeah. so uh, I'm not there, but I'm telling you, I could I could see it on the horizon, and I'm starting to prepare for it now because it's going to be uh, hectic times. If they're not hectic already, uh, I can only imagine what they're going to be like when youth sports come. Oh, bear down, bro! It, it's yes, it's it is a <laughs> is a crazy animal right now. Mm -hmm. I, that's exciting to uh, you know knowing you've got four potential uh, sud athletes coming up in the coming years. So uh, they definitely in their genes. 
Yes, it is. And my wife's a great athlete. She was one of the top female athletes coming out of um, a school in San Jose Valley. So, yeah, I look forward to, you know, raising them right um, as athletes, but also just as great people uh, first and, and being really involved in scholastics as well. So we, we'll see what we get, but I'm pretty confident we're, I'm going to do everything in my power, my wife is too, to, to raise them right and give them opportunity. And if it's sports, so be it, right? If it's another profession love, so be it as well. That's a great perspective, pal. Uh, so I want I want to reminisce with you. I, don't, I mean, I could talk hours with you, but uh, I, I, and I want to respect your time and, and, and reminisce a little bit uh, before we run out. But CSU, uh, a couple weeks ago, aired the 1994 Arizona game when CSU went into Tucson and beat them. And that, that was really cool. They aired it on Facebook or re-aired it on Facebook. And, you know, the thousands of people tuned in and commented. It was, it was a fun night. The, the next one is the 2002 CU game, which was an epic game. Of course, uh, a lot of memories from that. You know, you were obviously a huge part of that game and that uh-huh. win. What, what do you remember from that day? Well, of course, you know, I think first and foremost, I remember the excitement of, of victory. Um, and you really, you know, at the last play of the game, even though we did down the ball, uh, to seal the victory. I, I do remember that fourth down play, uh, where, you know, CU was in the red zone. Yeah. And, you know, the pass across the middle and David Vickers there, you know, uh, incomplete and just joy. Uh, and that's really what I, I remember. I don't remember the head spike, right? As much as, uh, some would think. I mean, I'm reminded of it when I watch video or somebody sends me a link and they ask me. But, you know, for me, I just remember the joy and celebration with the team. And, of course, we also came off of a victory at Virginia the week before. Yeah. So this was a, a second victory in a row. And it was amazing. It was an amazing uh, part of my career. And it was just a sign of, of really the good times to come uh, at, at CSU for, you know, the rest of that season as well into the next yeah, you bring up, and I, I think I've, I've either read or heard you say this before, that, that you don't really think back on that head spike incident, um, but, you, but you're certainly reminded of it a lot. And the thing about it was, as a Ram fan, we all, we all despise CU from a fan standpoint. You know, it's a, it's a rivalry. It's a, it's a fun, good-natured rivalry, right? But the comments that you would make before the game, the comments you made about the sixth-ranked team, um, you know, you always you always said it, and then you went and backed it up, and then the culmination of all of that and all the Ram fans' hatred and beating them, you know, taking it to them on the field, and then to just <laughs> wallop Roderick Sneed in the head with that football. I think it, I mean it's forever going to go down as as one of the most epic plays in in the Rocky Mountain Showdown, and for sure for Ram fans' memories. So whether that's a sore spot for you or not, I don't know, but I, I look at it as, as a badge of honor. It was certainly a, a great moment in history that we all look back on fondly. Well, and I think rightfully so. I mean, it was it was the, the, the winning score uh, of the game, and it was kind of an, a, I wouldn't say it was a turning point, but it was definitely a climax uh, of the rivalry at that time because CU was sixth in the nation. You know, CU came off of a really big year. Um, uh, the previous, I think they won 10 games. So, you know, CSU at that point was still that little brother, and everyone wanted to treat him as a little brother. And so that was when we, I want to say, took a big step forward. I don't, you know, looking back at the game, uh, especially from only my, my myself, 
I wasn't that polished of a quarterback. You know, our team wasn't the most seasoned team. But what we really had, we had that grit. We had that determination. Uh, we were led by Sonny Lubick and his coaching staff at the time, you know, including Larry Kerr on defense. So we were just a solid team that had kind of the small-town fundamentals and, and character. And I think that's what people really wanted to start rallying behind is, you know, we had the chip on our shoulder. We can do it. We might not look as good. We might not have fancy uniforms, but we can play football, and we're going to play for four quarters. And I think that's what was on display uh, in 2002, uh, was just pure, you know, pure Sonny Lubick, CSU Rams football. Yeah, it's funny you say that because I was just thinking, um, you know, we all remember the, the head spike, but another tr- amazing play in that game was when Cecil Sapp, basically was surrounded by buff defenders at about the nine yard line. And he proceeded to high step and carry pretty much the entire team into the end zone. And just that, you know, that was the epitome of, of a Sonny Lubick tough minded, uh, we're going to beat you in the trenches kind of an out tough you kind of a, of a performance. And I'll, you know, I remember you jumping up in the end zone and pumping your fist and hugging him there. And those were the good old days. And I want to kind of fast forward here eventually and talk about what has happened to the program since, because the toughness essentially since the days that you played has, has really waned. But one other thing that stands out about that day, and we, we mentioned the sixth ranked team in the, in the country. Tell me the story about how that happened. Were you on the bus when you made that phone call and we were, you were talking to a radio station? I can't remember what, what the backstory was on that. Can you remind us? Well, you know, how I remember it is actually the the comment came after the football game when I was getting interviewed, and that was, you know, off the cusp. And yeah. you know, I, I said something along the lines that it was the worst number six team I've ever played against. <laughs> and then, of course, I continued and to say, and I've never played a sixth-ranked team. So I tried to kind of, like, back it up, say, right. hey, I, I don't know what it's like to play. And like most things, it got taken out of context, and, and I understand that. Now, I do recall driving home uh, in my car and I was listening to the radio and the radio, and I really can't remember, Joel, but something irked me on the radio and I called in to the radio station and let them know how I felt. And of course, it probably wasn't a wise move because I really should have not, you know, tried to push the envelope. I should have just been happy with the victory and gone back to work. But that wasn't my mindset back then. Uh, I definitely wanted to voice my opinion and be heard. And in that, I, I guess I did well because uh, sometimes I was heard too loudly, too clearly. And uh, in, in some regards, I think I was a, a little a little naive to the effects uh, that it had on not just, you know, CSU fans, but just fans in general. How did uh, how did how did Sonny react to some of those things? <laughs> some of you, some well, of your words, you know, I think Sonny by that by that time, I think they understood what kind of player and individual I was that I really was in a sense harmless you know I even though I talked the talk I I more was was doing it just just out of you know excitement and uh just out of I don't know maybe maybe frustration and a chip on my shoulder I think I think part of the coaching staff um understood because that's what CSU Rams had a lot of the Rams during my era had chips on their shoulder you know they were overlooked maybe um, for some other big universities, or they're like myself who transferred from a big university. And we all had things to prove. And, you know, that was a very, I think, indicative of Sonny Lubick error. He found a lot of players that were might have, you know, been overlooked, that had something to prove. And they went on the field uh, every Saturday or every Thursday night, I guess you'd say, when we played, um, looking to prove 
something to somebody. Now, whether it was to themselves or a former coach or a former program, uh, that's what we all had. And, and, and I think it really did wonders for the program uh, as a general. So I think Sonny Lubick, to tie it all together, kind of put up with a little of my antics because he knew I was just saying it because I had a chip on my shoulder and I wanted to, I wanted to prove to the world um, you know, that CSU football is some, you know, a program people should take notice of. Quite honestly, you know, you said everything that we as Ram fans say privately or even publicly on social media, uh, but you would say it and then back it up. And I think quite, I think deep down, you know, if you if you talk to Sonny today, or uh, probably not publicly, but he he'd probably deep down kind of liked what you were saying because I think he had the same thoughts. He just could never say it. Um, so I agree, I agree, and I, I've heard that numerous times. Uh, that's part of the reason that he put up with me saying those, uh, you know, comments or verbalizing them. I, I think that deep down, that's what people wanted to say, but maybe knew better to say it. And I didn't know better. Again, I was, you know, I was someone that had a chip on my shoulder and, uh, I went out and proved it. And I also say this, Joel, I didn't win every game. I was a very raw player. I was very messy at times, but I played four quarters. I played with a chip on my shoulder. And I think that's what people were inspired by. They weren't inspired by my pretty antics. They weren't inspired by my long hair. They were inspired that I just showed up and played football uh, with my heart, you know, and and on my sleeve, you know, every time I went on the field. Well, one of those times um, was that next year against CU. And we all remember the 2002 win. Um, That 2003 game was one of the best college football games I've ever seen. Unfortunately, it, it resulted in a loss. But to no fault of your own, I mean, you had, I think you accounted for all five touchdowns in the game for CSU, and that was just a spectacular game. Um, you, it seemed like, it seemed like, and I, I know you didn't start the game in your, your uh, well, I guess your sophomore year, I think DJ Bush started it, but for something, something about that opponent, that game kind of brought out the best in you. Um, what was it about them that made you play your best? And then, you know, it carried on after. I, I think you could always tell that chip on your shoulder. When you went into Boulder that one year, you had already graduated, and as you were there as a fan, you had the, the flag wrapped around your neck like a cape. And um, there's just something you could always just tell that, that, that you just kind of enjoyed sticking it to, to CU fans. Well, yeah, I think I started feeding off of it. And unfortunately, I think it led me down you know, a a bad path because at that time I was a Bronco and I should have had a better understanding of what general football fans in Colorado wanted to see of a Bronco. Uh, They didn't want to see a college kid anymore, but it was, I was too close to home, right? It was still in me and I couldn't really pass up the opportunity to just kind of take another dig uh, at CU and CU fans. So I do regret some of my actions, um, I guess I'd say post-college. But if we talk about 2003, you know, I'll I'll tell you, one of the biggest disappointments for me was losing that game because, you know, we had so much talent our, our my senior year that, you know, that was the beginning of what I, what I see as a very lackluster season that we didn't live up to our potential when we had so much of it. And it is something I still think about. Our junior year was great, but it was really the senior year where I started coming into my own and we just lost a lot of close games. And now whether it was slightly sloppy football, you know, whether we didn't have the defense or not, I mean, there's a lot of different ways you can look at it. Uh, but, but that CU game in 2003, Rocky Mountain Showdown, is one that really uh, I am reminded of every year as the one that we should have never lost. And yeah. I didn't want to lose my senior year. And, and it just it really set the, the tone for a, a, a mediocre season, which still bugs me too today. 
Well, you individually had quite a year. Um, that year, I, I don't know if people realize this, but you were 100 yards shy of becoming the first college football uh, quarterback to passing uh, for, for 3,000 yards and rushing for 1,000 yards in a season. And I know you battled some injury down the stretch there, too, that probably impacted that you know, with your hand. So I, I know that the biggest thing for you in college, you, know, you, you transferred from, from Michigan State, arrived at CSU, and all your life you've been, been told that, you know, hey, you should, give, you should give defensive back a shot. And all you really wanted to do was prove that you were a quarterback. And, you know, you, you did that. So you left a legacy is what I, what I look back on. Well, I appreciate that. And, you know, let me, let me make a couple comments because uh, you did, you know, you did make a, a, good, a good point. I, I did have a great statistical senior year. And, but I always felt that and said that statistics are for losers. You know, if I hung my hat on what I accomplished individually, I was missing the point of what team sport, and in particular football, which is the ultimate team sport. Uh, I, I remember the losses. I remember the record. I remember all of the, all of the hype, you know, leaving, right, um, once we lost at New Mexico later in the season. Um, and it was difficult for me because even though I knew I probably had a career, you know, beyond college, uh, I wanted to win, right? I wanted to cement my legacy. And I also, frankly, wanted to be a, a national contender. I wanted to be talked about like, you know, Fresno State at one time, right? Non-BCS conference that, you know, uh, team that really could be considered to, to play with the big boys. So that's what I remember. And, and, you know, another thing about, you know, trying to prove that everyone else could play quarterback, one of the most frustrating things for me, and, and also I think a lot of quarterbacks or even just players in general, is when you lack, when you lack, um, the true coaching that you that you need and to get to the next level it can be really frustrating I had great coaches at CSU but I never had a quarterback coach uh, that I would say was a former quarterback like say coach Fairchild who was a quarterback at CSU who left um, you know uh, before my sophomore year so you know as I was trying to get prepared for the NFL to prove myself as a quarterback you know, I knew I was fighting an uphill battle because I wasn't necessarily getting, you know, all the training that I needed uh, during the, the formative years of, of college football to prepare myself. So uh, it, it was it's difficult to reflect because I know I think that was a big determining factor in my struggles in the NFL was that I just I didn't get those really solid years of, of quarterback training, even though I got solid years of football training and playmaking training. I didn't get those those years as a quarterback. So I. And I just like to throw it out there because I know there's a lot of kids uh, that sometimes the timing's not right. Sometimes the coaching situation is not right. And, and I feel for those kids because there's a lot of talented players that don't make it. Um, just the name of the game, I, I suppose, is, is timing is everything. Um, so, yeah. In transitioning there, another one of your lifelong goals was to be an NFL quarterback, which is another goal that you achieved. I still people I still see people wearing your number eleven Broncos jersey even today seventh round pick in two thousand four you know you're still a fan favorite um, you probably even <laughs> transitioned some Buff fans into your corner and 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 learning under Jake Plummer you know then the Broncos draft Jay Cutler in two thousand six which kind of screwed everything up ultimately you ended up relenting right you went to Houston and then you decided look if, if this is my last shot. I will give a shot as a defensive back. Came back to the Broncos, tried to make that work. 
Um, but you know, that was, I don't know if that was a fair fight for you, not having played the position, you know, trying to start from scratch as an NFL player as, as a, in the, in the defensive secondary. Um, do you ever like just look back and, and second guess yourself for not having tried it earlier and giving yourself a better shot in the NFL? You know, I, yeah, I think at times I wonder what would have happened if I would have made the transition early on. Uh, and that, that would have had to been something that would have happened right after I was drafted. And I think, matter of fact, I would have been drafted differently to a different team if I had decided to go be a defensive player. I mean, there was a lot of talk during uh, 2004 draft of whether I was truly interested in switching positions and being trained. Matter of fact, I remember, uh, you know, being on the phone and having that question posed to me as the draft was going forward. And I said, no, I, you know, I want to play quarterback. So I think, you know, my, my second guessing really revolves around me when I left Houston and got released and I decided to hang up my cleats. I think that's what I regret is because I already felt like I'd proved that I could be a, a, a quarterback in the NFL um, behind Jake Plummer. I, I had tremendous um, kind of, I would say, breakthroughs as a quarterback behind the scenes. You know, even when uh, Jake Cutler was drafted and we were going into – um, you know, our, our preseason that year, you know, I was, I was making so much progress and I know that coach Shanahan, uh, knew it. I knew the staff knew it, but they had already drafted Jay Cutler. So in a sense, they were wedded to, uh, that investment. And so by the time that Houston unraveled, I was just, I was frazzled. You know, I, I, I truly started maybe lacking confidence in myself. I, I was very disappointed with what happened with my relationship with Gary Kubiak, um, down in Houston. And, you know, and I let frustration get the better of me. And so that's what I regret is I just needed to, you know, blow off some steam and then go back to work and find myself in an opportunity that I can grow. And I didn't. I decided to walk away from football. And once you walk away from football, you're kind of broke. Um, even if I tried to come back and play defense, I don't, I don't think it was anything that was realistic. It was just more of me not, you know, really wanting to give up football, but it was too late because I already gave it up. And that's what I regret. Uh, I think I, I threw in the towel a little early, and all I had to do, as my dad told me uh, before he passed away, was just, you know, just don't give up. You've gone too far. How do you go to the end of the road being the guy that would never give up, and then you give up? So that still haunts me today, but I've accepted it. You know, I, I wouldn't have met my wife if I hadn't, you know, thrown in, you know, you know, thrown in my shoes and hung them up. So there's a lot of things that came positive out of it, and I just have to have to live with it and, and realize that, there's sometimes no answer. You just have to you have to live with what is, and it's still pretty good. I'm I'm fortunate, and I got to focus on the positive. That's fascinating. Thanks for sharing that, man. But I tell you what, as a QB, you are probably the most remembered and revered quarterbacks ever at CSU. You gave CSU its identity during Sonny Lubick's heyday. CSU had a, a, a former Jim Thorpe winner in Greg Myers in 1994. And people don't, I mean, yes, we remember Greg Myers. He was a fantastic player. But people don't talk about him in the same way that they still talk about you and the style of football you had and the winner that you were and what you instilled in the team. So, you know, again, I mentioned this before, but it's, it, you left a legacy. And uh, Ram fans like me are glad that you stuck to your guns when you left Michigan State and decided that you were a quarterback. And then, you know, everything you left on the field at CSU and all the memories that you gave. So I know you've got regrets beyond college, but 
everything you left in college uh, is why we're on the phone today. So I, I appreciate it, brother. Well, thank you. And to make one comment on that, I, I think part of the reason I'm remembered, one, that I was a quarterback, right? And naturally, quarterbacks get a lot of attention, especially when you win. But number two, you know, Fort Collins was seen as that, you know, front range community that was a little, you know, maybe uh, a little rugged, right? Um, maybe not as polished as uh, some front range communities down south, right? So I think I, I lived and embodied that spirit. I, I'm, I went and I said what I wanted to say. And as you said, uh, maybe I was actually verbalizing what people wanted to verbalize, but hadn't. So, you know, I think there's a lot of reasons I'm remembered, but I think it's, it's nice that that Fort Collins and, and the CSU Ram community rallied behind me because if no one rallied behind me, I don't think I would have uh, turned out uh, like I did at, at CSU. So I appreciate all the fans. I appreciate yourself, Joel, because uh, I couldn't have done it uh, without any of you. So thank you from myself to you know yourself and the, and the Ram family. Hey, did you know that there's a um, there's a college sports blogger out there? I think it's called BannerSociety.com that has an annual BVP award. It's it's named after you. It goes to like what he perceives as college football's most college player and here's what here's what he writes about his description of the award says bradley van pelt has always been the most inspiring player on your team he will always be the most important player in college football teams of the future he is a symbol for the players who make this sport matter the undersold and largely unsung hero of a program's breakthrough season the bell cow for a mid-major punching above its weight the store brand version of another team's marquee superstar The BVP of a team, more than anything else, will win. The BVPs of a team leave my favorite kind of legacy behind them, the kind that everyone remembers. So uh, that was cool. I don't know if you're aware of that, but um, it's some obscure site, and it's not done by a CSU guy. It's some college football blogger out there that does one of these awards every year. So you should request some royalties or something from him. You know, it's interesting bringing up. uh, One of my friends came across that, and they forwarded it to me, and I was blown away. Because I thought, I, at first I thought it was a hoax. You know, I read it and I'm like, okay, so you know, when did this become a hoax? Or when, you know, where, where does this become a joke? Or, and, you know, I, I left after reading it going, wow, this, this guy is very genuine. And uh, I was inspired by it because I think he encapsulated what it really, I guess, would mean to be someone like myself on multiple teams. Uh, I think a lot of the points that he, you know, that he wrote down and, and blogged about are, are true. And there are others like me, of course, or maybe I'm like others, right? It might not just be BVP, but there's people like me out there. And, you know, there's, there's a reason to keep fighting because I think a lot of players uh, at every level, you know, have an opportunity to be that kind of guy, the Aung San hero that doesn't need to worry about statistics, just wants to win. Right. Um, that I guess does great things and inspires other people. I mean, that's something worthy to fight for. Yeah, that was cool. Uh, I'm glad that you saw it. I'm glad that you were aware of that because it was, it was pretty neat. All right. Shifting gears real quick. The NCAA just announced that college athletes can now get paid for their likeness. So they can essentially be spokespeople and, and do commercials for products and companies. So what, what's your view on that for, for college athletes? I, I know someone like you would have, would have benefited. You were, you were very popular here. Uh, you were a prominent figure here. I'm just curious to get your thoughts on, on, from a personal level, if you think that's the right thing to do, and then what this could mean for, for college athletes going forward. Well, I think it's a double-edged sword. Uh, to be honest, I think... The, 
it's very nice to think that some collegiate athletes can benefit from their likeness because a lot of collegiate athletes simply don't come from families or, or homes that have the extra income to support them in college. Uh, it's hard to get through your college years, you know, scrapping by where you don't have enough money to where, you know, you could, you know, relax and enjoy yourself. Uh, I, I knew I had plenty of friends um, that were in that situation. But I, you know, the downside is, you, you know, when people start publicizing or not, I guess maybe publicizing is not the word, but if they start uh, benefiting off of their likeness and endorsing products, I think it's tough for, um, you know, athletes that young in their career to really separate, you know, what they're doing on the field and what they're doing maybe in, in public. Uh, you know, I think ego can get involved. Uh, and I think to some extent, maybe athletes might go down the wrong track. Uh, you see it a lot, you know, in the NFL and you see it a lot in the other uh, uh, sports is once you start getting more and more intention, once you start getting more money, more problems um, can be on the horizon. And, it, and it's a shame to think that uh, a collegiate athlete with so much in front of them um, are going to potentially get dragged down. Uh, by undue attention or maybe more money than they need at that age. So while I think it's good, and I think I would have definitely benefited from you know myself if it would have uh, happened in the early 2000s, there is a downside, and I think you just have to understand the downside and, and hopefully surround yourself uh, with people that are going to keep your head on straight because there's a lot of a lot of um, you know forks in the road when you start getting into the, you know, promotion and money and fame and ego. If this had gone through while you were still a college student athlete at CSU, what would have been something that, you know, a, uh, a product or a company that you might have been a spokesperson for? I mean, who knows? The list, the list could be endless because I think when you, when people are starting to, you know, give you options, you are most likely going to take maybe the highest bidder. Maybe you'll take them all. And you might not have the, uh, the thorough understanding uh, of, you know, of what is a, a good endorsement and what is a bad endorsement. So, you know, someone like myself, I mean, I have no idea what I endorsed because I probably would endorse whatever someone asked me to do if they're willing to pay me money. Because you're talking about a 22-year-old kid that really didn't have as much life experience at that time as I probably thought I had. I was still a young 20-year-old making decisions like a young 20-year-old. And now that I'm you know, well into my 30s and, and getting close to 40, uh, I know I think very differently. And it'd be very hard for uh, you know, a 22-year-old to think like a 39-year-old. So who knows what I've endorsed, but I probably would have endorsed maybe the, the wrong company, the wrong product. Uh, but maybe not. Maybe I had some really sound advice. Maybe Sonny Lubick would have stepped in uh, with the staff and, and helped me. And maybe that's what they should do. Maybe there should be committees that can, you know, filter through some of the endorsements because I don't think, uh, you know, all college athletes are mentally prepared to decide what's a good endorsement and what's bad. Well, I mean, I, I agree it could open up some serious wormholes, and I hope that there are people like coaches and advisors on staff and whatever. I mean, it almost seems like now colleges are going to have to start hiring people that specialize in this to, to deal with it. So, uh, good, good points. Um, so CSU uh, is quite a bit different from when you went there from a facilities and financial uh, uh, investment in athletics. 
I think I read that you weren't a huge proponent of the new stadium, but what do you think of CSU's facilities there? I mean, they're spectacular. What do you think of that? And what could a new stadium or new weight room and all the all the stuff that the football program has now, what could that have done for the program when you were there or 20 years ago when conference realignment possibilities were all in play? Well, I think it would have made a big difference back in our era because we didn't have fancy facilities at all. Uh, we didn't have fancy stadium. Uh, we were riding high. So I think if you're talking conference realignment and potential, um, you know, for that, I, I think it would have benefited us during that time. But I think there's a lot of underlying problems with that assumption because I don't know to my understanding that we always had the support from the administration at CSU. Uh, you know, my understanding is that for many years, uh, a lot of money was maybe redirected to other departments. Uh, so even though football and our sports were bringing in good money, it necessarily wasn't being reinvested in the program at that time. So I think we had more fundamental problems. Uh, again, that's just my understanding. I can't, I can't vouch for that, but that's after you know many years of talking to a lot of people during that era. Uh, but if you look at the future now about you know the, the stadium uh, and the facilities, you know, I, I always wanted to stay at Hughes. I thought refurbishing Hughes uh, was a good idea only because it had a lot of character and because it was kind of, again, it was indicative of, of Aggie football and Ram football and being on the front range. It had a lot of memories. Uh, but, you know, I also understood that for the future recruiting, that having an, you know, an on-campus stadium with top-of-the-line facilities was important for kids when they're considering what university to attend to. But when you look at a 40,000-seat stadium, I always knew that you'd have to consistently win to put butts in the seat. That was always my, my, my point is, hey, well, then you better be committed to winning year in, year out, and you better make sure you bring in the kids that are committed to winning year in, year out, or you're going to have a half-empty stadium, and nobody wants a half-empty stadium because I think it just it doesn't, it doesn't look good and doesn't feel good, right, to be a player. I would rather play in a, a 30,000 Hughes stadium that's always full than a, you know, a 40,000-seat stadium that's half full. So, I mean, there's a lot of ways to look at it, Joel. Uh, all in all, I think it, it's, it's a benefit. But, you know, I, you know, at the same time, I think you always have to talk about, you know, what, what could have been um, and also what we need to do in the future to make sure that butts are in the seats and that you know, those 40,000, you know, seats are filled with, you know, fans screaming for, for their local team or, or just the game in general. A lot of good stuff there. I mean, if CSU invests the way they're investing now, back then when you were playing or even prior to that, I feel that CSU would probably be in place of Utah in the Pac-12 right now. I mean, there's um, we, we were winning back then. If you build on that and continue to invest and you build the facilities, but we didn't. And I think that to your point where money was funneling other places, it just – you know, I don't know if it was funneling other places. We just CSU has never been made of money. They're just not overflowing with money ever. But if you're winning constantly, people take notice. And CSU had the attention of the college football public from '94 till the the year you stopped playing. And since then, it's been kind of crap. But um, if they had continued to invest and invest in Sonny and given him the things that he needed, he probably would never have been let go. And then who knows where we are right now. So um, I, I think that and then in terms of the stadium, yes, it's it's a huge recruiting tool. But I also think that it's um, I, I do believe them when they say the biggest mission behind that was getting a camp, getting a stadium on campus where when you've got 30,000 people going to a football game, make sure that they are 
going back and reliving their college days and showing their kids and their loved ones where they went to school and in their dorms and tailgating on campus. There's a lot to be said about that in the in the in the atmosphere in the 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 game day uh, experience is so much better to me than it was at Hughes. And I love Hughes. It was sad to see it go, but it you know you you needed to kind of make that upgrade at some point and I'm glad that it's on campus so I understand both sides um, but unfortunately uh, you'd hope that there was a winning and investment in the facilities to go together and we have not seen the winning what what where do you think the program has become derailed um, outside of one season under McElwain in 2014 I think they went uh, what 10 and 3 10 and 4 um, mm-hmm. 10 and 3 um, Outside of that, we have not seen an elite season since you played. Uh, no conference championships since then, since 2002. 18-year drought. So what what has gone wrong, do you think? Um, and any observations from the Mike Bobo era? Well, you know, I'm definitely not the one to pinpoint what went wrong. Uh, you, know, my, you know, my thoughts revolve around the type of players that, ha- you know, started coming into the program. When I was leaving, we started getting, uh, I guess you'd say higher end recruits, maybe some blue chip recruits, you know, a lot of kids that had great high school careers, but they definitely weren't the, the kids that had the chip on their shoulders, right? They weren't the kids that had a lot to prove. Um, you know, they weren't the kids that are overlooked. I, I frankly think that we were almost a victim of our own success or Sonny was a victim of his own success. We started getting the kids that looked the part, right? The ones that played prettier styles of football. You know, the one, you know, the ones that didn't come from seven man football in Nebraska. And I think that was something that continued on because CSU at that time had become, you know, not, I don't want to say it had become a household name, but a lot more people took notice. I want to say enrollment went up, right? Towards the end of my uh, collegiate career, I know that, you know, there was these just, you know, a lot of people talking about the Rams. So it's kind of hard to say, you know, winning, winning was the problem, but I, I do think that it, it helped cause the problem that we've seen in the last, uh, you know, decade and a half of just lackluster um, results. Even though I think there's been some great, talented kids, great, you know, great coaches that are talented, it really just hasn't been the right fit, right? You either have a great coaching staff um, that doesn't necessarily have the right um, football players to execute their vision, or you have, right, you have, you know, wonderful talent that doesn't have the, the, the coaching staff that can bring that talent out. And that's just my, you know, initial reaction. I, I don't want to, you know, kind of choose sides. I definitely don't want to, you know, you know, throw rocks at former coaches. But, you know, I was a Sonny Lubick guy. It was a very different coaching style. Uh, it was a very different mentality. Uh, and I, what I've seen, since I left, it's just a lot, you know, again, a lot more, you know, pretty style of football that wasn't hard-nosed, that wasn't kind of messy, but, you know, four quarters. And, and I think we just have to get down to playing four quarters of football with a lot of grit and passion and finding kids that just simply love the sport and are willing to do whatever they can. And they're willing, you know, they're willing to bypass other opportunities at schools because they want to go start at Colorado State. And we... I think we thrived uh, during the Sunny Lewick era with those style of players. And, you know, frankly, I don't know how many of those players uh, come into the program every year. You still talk to Sonny at all? How's your relationship with him these days? You know, I unfortunately don't talk to Sonny as much as I used to. I, I would say my relationship with Sonny has always been great. When I, when I um, cross paths with him or talk to him on the phone, 
uh, you know, it's wonderful. It's almost like, uh, you know, time stands still because, you know, without Coach Sonny Lubick in my life, I, I never would have been a collegiate quarterback. Uh, I would have never have gone on to the NFL. I mean, Sonny Lubick, though he, in a sense, asked me to switch to running back, you know, after my, my first year at CSU when I sat out, you know, when I said, no, I want to play quarterback, he respected that. And as a matter of fact, he's the one that ultimately allowed me to become starter and stay in my starting position. So I, you know, I just have uh, just a, a enormous amount of, of love for uh, Sonny Lubick and the family. They just treated me so, uh, so, so great and, and always have. So uh, I wish Sonny was a lot closer to me. I wish I was closer to Fort Collins. Uh, it, would, it would be a blessing. But uh, California is just enough distance where I don't get to see, don't see uh, Sonny as much. Any have you followed the new hire of, of coach Steve Adazio? Any impressions of him? You know, I, I haven't followed. I I think this kind of is what you asked a question about Bobo. You know, I don't I don't want to get in the past of a lot of the coaches because I don't necessarily think that uh, the last you know the last several coaches have turned out the way people have envisioned. So for me, sometimes the past is not a great indicator of what they're going to be capable of in the future at CSU. Um, you know, I think all I hope for is that, you know, people understand what CSU football was about and what really the fans and administration wants, right? You know, they want, they want hard-nosed players. They want players that play four quarters. And so, uh, you know, all I'm focused on is the future. You know, the, to me, the past is just a bad indicator uh, at this point with what we've seen. Yeah, I, I think that he – there are some qualities of his that remind me of Sonny. Uh, I don't think there's ever another Sonny, but he he's a CEO. He's uh, I think he's got a principle of loving your players. Um, I think he's got a principle of hard-nosed, tough-minded teams, um, starting with the trenches. So I'm encouraged. Um, I, I'm hopeful. <laughs> um, it's been a long time. We need some sustained winning. So hopefully, hopefully we uh, hopefully we've got uh, the right the right hire there. Um, do you get back to Colorado much? Yeah, you know, I come back to Colorado numerous times a year um, to see friends. As a matter of fact, I come to I come to at least one or two games every year. Though most people wouldn't know it. Is that right? You kind of stay uh, low key and incognito. Yeah, pretty much. Right. I even though I I know that if I was to take my hat off and I was to maybe stand a little uh, taller with some stature, people would recognize me. But I I feel a lot more comfortable just just walking, you know, with my hat low and just finding a place to sit and watch the game. I, I don't really want to talk about the past because, you know, frankly, when we watch the game, I'm worried about the future, you know? And, and so for me, it's difficult to talk about the past cause it's raw. Uh, and I just want to, I want to watch the game and enjoy. And, and so that's why I don't want to engage too much is because I don't want people to focus on the past uh, because I really think that we need to, you know, we need to look to the future. And, uh, but yes, yeah, so there's the long story of, of me coming to games, but it, it is fun. Let me tell you, I, I, I love our stadium. I, I love, I love what I see. Uh, I wish I would have got to play one game in that stadium. It would have been amazing. Don't we all? Uh, well, next time you're here, man, make sure you reach out. We'll, we'll take care of you at the tailgate and you and your, your wife and your, your kids and, um, we'll have a good time. So, Hey brother, we spent a lot more time than I than I thought we would, and I, I apologize for that. But it was it was great talking to you. Thanks for everything. No problem, no apologies, Joel. Anytime. Uh, I look forward to seeing you this upcoming football season and uh, right in Fort Collins. Hey man, thanks, thanks a lot, my friend. Thanks so much. You hang in there and give love to your 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 wife and kids, and and hope to do this again sometime down the road. Sounds 
Sounds good. Same goes to you. Thanks, Joel. Okay, man. Let's take a quick break, and we will be back with Mike and Joey after this. Welcome back. Thanks for sticking with us. How great was that? BVP, rehashing the old days. He is a fantastic human being, a tremendous ambassador for CSU. Mike, tell tell me about tell me about your 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 favorite memory of BVP. Oh man. Well, just like everyone, I mean the head spike. It it was one of those like how many times like we should have beat him in 97. Like we came into that 98 game favored and took the lead like 14-13 in the third quarter and ended up losing 41-13 over the next quarter and a half. One in 99 and 2000 is awesome. And then 2001 was, was, was Bradley's first game with CSU and DJ Bush was the starter. Bradley comes in, leads him down to a touchdown. It's 14-7 CSU, and then – Wheels I mean, came off. Yeah. I think Bush, Bush threw it in a pick, pick six. Pick six, yeah, he did. And, it, I mean, it was just over. We were buried by then. And so that next year, I mean, they're coming in off of good season, great season for, for CU, for anybody, to be honest. I mean, made it to the Fiesta Bowl. Probably should have – Oregon probably should have been in the national title game, but, you know, they, they destroyed Nebraska, the 62-36 game. You know, they're, they're riding high. They're ranked six coming in and sell out. What was it, a 1 p.m. game, like, afternoon? Like, we were the national game, weren't we? Um, yeah. yeah. And we're down 14-13. Dude, he leads us down. And, I, I mean, you watch that. You watch – it was an option left – and he scores on the right side of the field. You know, he, he takes to the left and, and he cuts back. Like, he had such great vision. And and I know, like, I'm not this particularly play, but I, I know he's talked about his soccer, his, his soccer upbringing, about seeing the field. And you could see it, like, he's going to his left, left, left. And then he just, like, stops on a dime and cuts right. And scores on the right side, and then Roderick Sneed's trying to run him out, run him out of the back of the end zone, and he just comes and boom, like smacks him on the head. And I mean, we nineteen fourteen, right there. So it will forever be one of the most memorable plays in CSU history. He, you know, he's very humble about it. Like he doesn't. I don't know if he really likes. He he's. And I, I don't know if I believe him or not, but he says he doesn't really think about that play, but it's brought up to, to him a lot. But he he said his be- best memory of that was not necessarily that play, but the celebration afterwards and, the, and and how good it felt to beat them. And you remember, like you could tell in every every fiber of his body, he didn't like CU. Oh, no, because so they recruited him pretty hard too. But, again, they wanted him on the uh, defensive, defensive side of the side. ball. And so, you know, he, he talks about how he takes pride in the fact that they were more physical and, and took it to see you. And he, you know, he made those comments before the game or, or, or right after the game, I mean. Yeah, uh, he called he in like, the fan. This is the, worst, this is the worst number six team we've ever had. And then he was like, I probably shouldn't have said that. I'm going to defuse it a little bit. 
and I'm going to say, but I've never played any other six, sixth ranked team yeah. in the country. Um, you know, but everyone took that one little snippet of, oh, yeah. and ran with it. But on the, he said on the bus back to Fort Collins, I, they're listening to the post game and there were some things being said that he didn't like. And so he called from Littleton calls into the fan and he like setting, setting the record straight. And so that's what I love about the guy is like, he, he, he spoke his mind. He said everything oh, yeah. that you and I and every other Ram fan wanted to say. Back about to the, if I wasn't still tailgating and drinking and was listening to the radio, I would have called too. Right. You know, but, we're still going at it hard in the tail in the parking lot. But that's why we all loved him because he's not only just like he said everything we wanted to say, but then he'd go out and he'd back it up. Like he just beat he just beat people's butts. And so that that game has had two of the most iconic CSU touchdowns. When Cecil Sapp, he he drug seven yes. buff defenders into the end zone. I mean, yes. they hit him behind the line of scrimmage, and yes. he he just carried him, like just kept going. And then and then Bradley going left, and then cutting back and finishing right, and and then the head spike. I mean, that that's that was such a fun game. Such a fun game to watch. Joe, what are your favorite memories of BVP? Right. Yeah, I mean, just, just everything. Nothing really stands out. But, you know, um, I can't remember, and you guys correct me, because you guys are good with, better with the CSU history than I am. Didn't he play or beat Cal at Berkeley? Or is yeah. That- yes. Yes. Yes, he did. And yeah. kind of the same thing. It, the, he, he always showed up. He always showed up for the big games. I know. I know. We always, you know, we talk about the Louisville loss, seven to two, or New Mexico. But dude, when the stage was big, he he never disappointed. Even if we lost, he always, you know, played well and kept us in the game. He just had again, man. He just had that knack for extending the play, you know. <laughs> and you know, I think I said it on Ram Nation. You know, all these quarterbacks now, you know that. You know that Bobo got. Um, uh, they just they're so robotic, right? They're thinking so much. They're not, just not going out and playing football. And like Moses or Anthony Hill, I hate Hill, going baby. back. You know they, they would just they would just go out and play. They would extend the play. I know Moses didn't have the best, you know, mobility, but he still got away from people and could get down the field a little bit. And I don't know. It just seems like when the progressions aren't there, the kids don't know how to. Uh, you know, just do backyard football now, you know, and, you know, and then, you know, with Van Pelt, it was always, you know, man, when he would run over people, oh my God, it wasn't that fun. It was like Chorizo running through the Tangs gate, you know, after the bouncers, you know, it was crazy. And, uh, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but, um, but no, just, you know, just the overall experience, having him as our quarterback, man, and Hughes and just watching him, every, you know, when we go into somebody else's house, we had a chance to win every game. We had a chance to win. It wasn't just covering. We had a chance to win. Yeah. And he just brought he, he just brought that edge to us. Like Joel said, he's a kid that spoke his mind. He backed it up. And uh, he just, you know, and he just one of those guys that the other team hated to play against, but they would love to have him on their team. You know what I'm saying? He's like a Dino, like a Dino Cicerelli. Wasn't that Dino Cicerelli? Come on, that, that, you gotta give me that. That was a good one. Theory last week, and now you're oh, that was a good one. That was a good one. That's right the Red Wings. <laughs> no, like uh, so that cow game wasn't. It was like fourth and fourth and two, 
kind of midfield and we got a chance to ice it. And, and I mean, this is Sonny. Like, he calls, I, I want to say it's a bootleg to Bartz, wasn't it? But, and Bartz is just wide open down the field, and, and BVP fakes the handoff to Sap and, and, like, rolls out. And he's, like, Bartz is just wide open, and he catches it and just takes it and then gets tackled. And then and I think we ended up, like, running out the clock to win that game. Like, yeah, it was, games like that, he was always in. Always in. And you're, and you're right. I mean. Always in it. I mean, should it be, should it be Utah when when Urban's first year and ran that option to the out to the left and he pitched the Marcus Houston and he and oh, oh. Tristan Walker and we would have uh, that was oh uh, dude I was just gonna say like Marcus Marcus Houston he went the yeah. wrong way oh. Uh. Justin we Holland was a quarterback we could not win the game hey let's let's talk about that uh. All right, you guys follow uh, Denver Denver Rams on on the Twitter. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And uh, they were doing setting up uh, making all the rosters like the all time roster for NCAA EA Sports NCAA, and they had Bradley way high, which he should have been, but they had like it went Bradley, Grayson, Moses, and then Justin Holland like right underneath. And I love them all. Love them all. They all did some great stuff. But I'm like, you gotta, you probably need to work on the on the ordering a bit, a bit. Look, look. Who, at who, who do you guys think? Who do you guys think? By the the mittens of Moses. <clears throat> that again? Are you are you are you lamenting the fact that Moses was? <laughs> third, yeah, pretty much. I mean, well, he, he led the top offense. So history. you and I debate Most this likely. all the time. Like he had a great, he had a great career. He had a great season. Whack, whack. Potentially, potentially the, the best season ever. However, when you look at that schedule, the 94 team was better. The 94 team played a much tougher conference schedule. They beat a highly ranked Arizona team on the road. Oh, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, Garrett Sand, most underrated player. Garrett Sand didn't have. Yeah, yeah, Garrett Sand, right? I love Garrett Sand. I love Garrett. I love Garrett. You should be you know, in the Hall of Fame. CSU Hall of Famer. He's getting overlooked. Yeah, that '94 team. I love <laughs> he that. The play. He's being snubbed for the CSU Hall of Fame. Oh, Jim, nah, nah. I, I, I have my campaign. I'm so, I'm still so mad about how they were treated last season for the Hall of Fame weekend i know I had, yeah, you mentioned that last week yeah that was sad we, we, i think i had like 15 of those players at our tailgate that next day i mean from the whole weekend it was just so small time i mean i i'm embarrassed like that's sad that's sad they had a better time at your tailgate they were we'll say that again <laughs> they had they were treated better at your tailgate than they do. a lot, a lot <laughs> of them were there yeah they were i gotta tell you the first game at, at canvas I got Moses his tickets because I knew the head of ticketing. He called the he called the football office and they wouldn't give him tickets. Damn. That I I and I hope Adazio kind of starts switching that up uh, because the last staff did not. McElwain loved it. Dude, former player calls McElwain. Boom, we got it. We got it taken care of. Bobo's tenure. 
players called, no. But you know, if uh, Heinz Ward calls, oh, I'll do everything I can to pimp this one out. Sorry, you could edit that one out too. Garrett Stan, Garrett Sand's still the best player in my heart. In your heart, in your heart, Garrett Sand is the best player in your heart. Love the guy, love him, dude. I got a I funny story Garrett about how Sand. I, how I, 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 no, I, I uh, it's kind of funny how I, uh, I met him in college. You know, he was going through some stuff in college. He don't remember me, but then here we are back at that 2007 New Mexico Bowl, and I met him for the first time in person. And what a hoot! We we just had a great time. Uh, he's really good friends. He's really good friends with Renault. With Renault, and yeah. um, and uh, we were staying all at the same hotel. And three Ram Knight and I and Renault, and uh, we ended up going to a uh, some restaurant bar restaurant, which was down the street from the Marriott, the team hotel. And we just walked into like this team reunion thing that Paulie K was putting on. Uh, Mike, I don't know if you were there, but we just walked right in. It was open bar and food, and and like Tom Ellers is like, "What the hell are you doing here?" I'm like, "Hey, yeah, I'm Joey B. Hey, whatever, you know." And but anyway, yeah, just ran into a lot of people. A lot of old old '94 team was there, and um, but we walked in, and Garrett actually drove my SUV back to the hotel with people packed in my SUV back to the hotel because I had a couple too many pops. And, uh, yeah, no, just a great, great guy, great family. And, uh, you know, God bless him. He lost his dad a couple of years ago. And I was there at the, uh, New Mexico bowl, met his father, his brother, and just a really, really good family. So anyway, I'm a little biased, just like he, just like Mike is towards uh, Moses. On that San Francisco trip, I, I, I got to meet him and hung out with him a little bit. That same trip I hung out with him. Yeah. We, Joel and I, and, Stubble, CSU 98, and, and Tracy, we met you guys there at the – it was a Mexican restaurant, like outside this uh, strip mall. I mean, everything – In Albuquerque. Everything's a strip mall in Albuquerque. But yes. we met up with you, Joey. Yes, we were there. Are you frozen, Joey? Joe. Oh, here we go. Joe's frozen in general. So no, – You guys are going so, good. Garrett. Speaking of Garrison, so I'm an elementary school teacher. I'm finishing my 22nd year of teaching. And uh, <laughs> oh, it was like four or five years ago, and, and a mom at my school volunteered to uh, teach yoga for a week. I'm like, yeah, sure, that's, that's cool. It's like our kids need to, to – she is very attractive. Like I, I, I liked her. She, she always wore yoga pants. And we're in my office talking, and I have CSU stuff all over. And she's like, did you go to CSU? And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, love the Rams. She's like, I did too. She's like, do you know who Garrett Sands is? And I'm like, yes. <laughs> and she's like, oh, yeah, I did him in college. <laughs> so, Garrett, if you're listening to this. He was the man of the hour in 94, 95. <laughs> he was recruited by Earl Bruce. You guys know that? Earl, Earl brought in so much talent. He did. Yeah, he Sonny did. inherited a good recruiting, uh, some good kids out of Southern California, you know. So. And Colorado. And Colorado. Sean Murray. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Ro, where, where do you put BVP on? Like, I'm sick and tired of your bull crap, like, Mark <laughs> Alec garbage. As a, I know as a football player? As a quarterback, 
As a All football right. player, so I, I want quarterback, and then I want then I want football player. I know Moreno's going to be first, and I'm sure you probably got Grayson and Matt Newton, and even you know, you know my Dugo. top five. You probably have Kevin Dugo ahead of 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 BVP. <laughs> For Such a hater, but Matt McDougal, yeah, Matt Matt McDougal was a great dude, kicker and punter. What you, so. I didn't say Matt McDougal. What are you talking about? <laughs> oh, I thought you said Matt. I McDougal. said Kevin Mc. Kevin Verdugo is what I said. <laughs> uh, so, as far as quarterbacks, Moses. Kelly Stoffer. I mean, Kelly Stoffer. Dude, he was he was a top. He was the sixth overall pick. Like what he did at CSU was unreal, um, and they were horrible back then. I mean, no, he he led him to six and five, which was huge for CSU. Uh, Thrill Hill. Thrill. Why he did ninety four was was, I mean, he, always he a spot in my heart. He and BVP are tied for first for me. Who? He and BVP are tied for first for me. That's cute. Um, the sheriff. I love Matt Newton. And he's right up there as well. Two and zero. Oh, two, two and zero oh against oh. the Bucks. I almost got beat up by Matt Newton. No, you didn't. He's a lover, not a fighter. Oh no, he was a good guy. There's the people around him. Matt, Newton is an awesome guy. He's been at he's been our tail like Rocky Mountain Showdown tailgates. We had drinks with him at uh, when we were with Parker with Joe Parker yeah. in Parker, Colorado. Ah, he's a great guy. He he's, he's a better quarterback. I'm gonna get him um, on next. By the way, he's a better quarterback. And Kelly Sop and Gary Grayson. I mean, uh, football Matt, players. Matt Newton. Matt Newton was the master at the back shoulder pass, the short little pass, you know, the back shoulder pass. (laughs) Yes. He was. And back foot. Everyone's like, what is he throwing the back foot? Because it goes for touchdowns to my cousin. All he does is win. My cousin, Jose. All he does is win. Jose Ochoa. All Jose does is catch touchdowns. So all he does is catch touchdowns. Dude, I got a great at a tailgate. And he's decked out in in – L.A. Dodgers gear, head to toe, just freaking representing the blue. But, uh, no, like, mo- like BVPs of the quarterbacks I've seen is is sixth. Of the football players I've seen, God, I think Kevin McDougal might be the only one that's a better football player. Like, you got to think, McDougal had 30 tackles, 30 tackles against Nebraska. As a freshman. 96? Yep. Yep. Jeez. Good stat there, he, Good stat. When he begged, he, he told Sonny, because Sonny wanted a red shirt. I mean, he's like, dude, put me a safety, because they were so banged up. He comes in and has 30 tackles against Nebraska. Do you remember what he did against CU in 99? <laughs> yeah. That, that house. <laughs> he housed it. The guy just – and then in the fourth, like that was awesome when he just broke that one off. But then in the fourth quarter, they just couldn't stop him. They're like, okay, we know we know they we know they're going to run the ball, but they couldn't stop him. It's like five six yard rips every crunch, time. Crunch. That's back when good offensive lines were were valued at CSU. Unfortunately, the Pears brothers were on that. Pears on that line. Pears brothers, Morgan and, Morgan and Eric. Eric. Yep. And oh there you gosh, go. man. Dude, Dude, we got so many in state, but anyway, sorry. BVP's the sixth best quarterback in CSU history. You're so oh, stupid. He's, no. probably, You're he's so probably the second best 
So in, in my in my time, in my time, he's probably the second best football player. Oh my god, dude! Go have some, go have a, go have another shot of Malort. Come on, agreed. Jesus, Jesus, come back to reality. You can't, you can't, you can't take away from Moses Grayson Stoffer again. Six overall pick ever. Thrill Hill and Newton. You can't, you can't take it away. But for what, for what a player saying, meant to the program, where's Fairchild on your list? He's Mike? not the sixth. He's not the sixth best quarterback that's why i said he's the second best football player i've seen in at csu behind behind mcdougall okay well that's fair oh killing me that's fair okay if it's if it's fourth and, and 12 and you and you gotta hit a pass who are you gonna pick well jeremy burkett I, I'm, I'm, exactly oh, you're gonna, no 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 it wasn't <laughs> Jeremy Calhoun catching it in the back of the end zone. Oh, dude, yeah, oh, Calhoun. Freaking okay. perfect save. Do you, do you remember that play? That like that Air Force game. That oh, pass. Man. That pass was just up in the air, and nobody was in the vicinity. And all of a sudden, he just turned on the Jets, and yeah. covered like 15 yards in a second. And, and that Air Force guy was all over him. It should have been oh, a pass interference. He caught a. Behind them, he caught it behind the defender. It was awesome. The one he was diving. Yeah. Do you remember the? Do you remember the ESPN announcer that night? It was Gary Thorne. He used to do wow. like the voice of ESPN hockey, NHL. Yeah, hockey. he was a. Yep. He was he my was New Jersey awesome. Devils growing up. Yeah. Oh, just. And that 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 was so, the most incredible. Remember, game. so Air Force missed that PAT to go yeah. up forty-one fourteen, and the announcers were like. You know, typically when you miss a PAT, you've got to worry about that coming back yeah, to haunt you. will come back to haunt you. Yeah. yeah, but, but, and then Rams won. I remember. Absolutely amazing. I remember when we took the lead, there was like a minute left, and Bo Morgan, they're trying to drive down, and our defense was just stifling them. And Adrian, Adrian Ross just freaking – Smoked, just slammed Bo Morgan down to the ground and like start doing like. <laughs> That's a game they need to put back on and Facebook. Then, and then Bo, didn't Bo Morgan got a personal foul after that, right? Yeah, he, I think he jumped he did. He up started, and grabbed his helmet yes, and yes. like tried to slam him down. He did. He was he was complaining to the refs. That that was fantastic. That so that was kind of a in between year between. After two great years, kind of had like a, a, a rough – I mean, not rough, but like – But see, that's the well, thing. If it, was today, like, if it was today, right, we wouldn't have been in a we were We finished seven and four that year. Then 97 was what you would call the best year ever. Yeah. And then 98, but, but, we had so the, crazy the most thing. talented team probably ever. 98, yeah. We go eight and four, and we don't go to a bowl. Like – I was gonna say something. I don't want to. I don't want to disrespect Slinger. Slinger. Slinger was great. And and I don't know if you read. The, there's a uh, Pueblo Chieftain article last week, two weeks ago, about him. Great article. Yeah, CSU fans, you need to read it. Pueblo Chieftain Ryan Eslinger. It's about what he's done, and he talks about like like he's he's on the fence like should he have went to CSU because he was behind Moses the whole time um or if he he had a chance to go play professional baseball and he chose he chose football but he always sat and then he had that one year 
And part of it's like, for me as a fan, because Newton came in that UNLV game and just destroyed. Like, he was unreal. Newton was as a sophomore, like, just dropping dimes. And that was the only game he played. And I'm like, would we have done better in, I mean, that 98 year when we still win eight and four? But in 99, like, in 2000, like, where would we have been if Newton had a full season of starting in, in 1998? Bro, here's why he, yes, he should have come to CSU, because he won us the 97 Holiday oh, yeah. Bowl. He's a legend. He's a legend. Right? Freaking Fake field goal. That was the best play. One of the best plays in CSU. You remember, remember how he bounced off that linebacker, like, yep. eight yards deep? And he spun around. And he so spun he around. Got, yeah. if, if that linebacker would have brought him down, he wouldn't have gotten the first down. That's right, yeah. Um, the guy was a hero. God, that, that day was amazing. So here <laughs> – That day well, was awesome. So what about players? What's your top five players? Players is – CSU? Yeah. I mean, I know Ben. Right, is this a CSU podcast? Or Moses um, for you. Moses, Bradley. T. Hill. Yes. What, what, about John, what, what about John Howell? What about John Howell, football player? John Howell. Great player. Wouldn't, he wouldn't be in my top five. Um, yeah, to, yeah. Wait, top five yeah. guys I party with still? Not um, not to party with. <laughs> Shaq Barrett, I put up there. What about D. Hart? No. He's a legend to me. No. No, I like D. Hart. Great player. Yeah. I wouldn't put him up there. Damon Washington One. doesn't get enough love. How about D. Kyle Bell? was amazing. I put Cecil before D. Washington. How about Kyle Bell in your book? What do you guys like? Love Kyle Bell. Nah, he was hurt though. Kyle. He got hurt that last year, right? Love I love Kyle. Kyle. He, yeah. He's been he's been the he more the tailgates right down, showdown tailgates than Joey B has. He showed up. Him and his dad. We ripped a couple darts with his dad. It was awesome, man. Yeah, you've only been to one of my Rocky Mountain showdown tailgates. Last yeah, year. That's pathetic, yeah. Joe. I think I bumped you need to it. fix that. And then you have all these pictures I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> You're a little cross-eyed when I mentioned this past game. That past game. That's my wife. <laughs> no, I mean you were <laughs> no, you were you were schnockered. <laughs> I put Joey Porter up there. Yeah, JP. He's top. Oh, five. Okay, there you go. I Porter. I started about off. Calvin, what about Calvin Branch? Oh. Dude, he – Calvin Branch is good, man. Be... Remember, that, remember that kickoff return in 96 against CU? Versus Wyoming? Dude, or CU. Yeah. And CU. He got at hit Hughes. by everybody on that play. Like, everybody. He got hit by the entire CU team. Yeah. And uh, still made it. Yeah. <clears throat> How about Dexter Wynn? D-Dub Dexter was, was awesome. Okay, I got, I, got a, I got a great D-Dub story. Um, so <laughs> remember when uh, – Remember when our kicker took a kickoff? He kicked, we, we kicked off. Air Force, like, ran it back. We Babcock. smoked him. Babcock, yes. So, Babcock, yeah, we, we smoke him. Babcock picks it up and, and houses it. Scores a touchdown. It was like the first time a kicker scored a touchdown on a, on a kickoff in, like, 70 years or something. Like, something ridiculous. So... I like Naramska and I, like we go to the basketball game at Clune 
if you've ever been to a basketball game there, and this is this is why I hate Air Force the most. The football players all congregate. They sit right above the uh, the opposing team's bench, and they just say some of the foulest, most racist stuff. Like it's it's horrible. Like and they're just running their mouths, just like just saying bad things. And we had this guy on the team. His last name was Stevens, number one, and and he's a point guard, kind of barely played. And this is uh, Dale Lair time. They're just running their mouths, and and I'm sitting behind the bench, like Naramska and I, another buddy. We're right behind the bench, and they're and they're running their mouths at us too, just saying like horrible shit, like horrible stuff to me, like screw you, Mexican, like ah, like just just saying horrible stuff. And Dexter Wynn, who was from the Springs, comes over and sits with us, sits down, like gives us some dab, like. And all of them shut their mouth. Didn't say a single word. And then I stand up and I'm like, Babcock. Babcock. <laughs> and then and then CSU goes on a run and we just bury him in Clune. It was it was ah, uh, it was an amazing time. And that is the reason. Well, that and Bo Morgan, the reasons why I hate Air Force more than any other. More than CU or or Wyoming, they're horrible. I hate them. Yeah, I couldn't. I didn't know that. I didn't know you hated them so much. Yeah, I, I barely ever say that. You barely ever say it on Twitter or Ram Nation or anywhere. <laughs> they replied to me. Air Air Force uh, Athletics replied to me on on the Twitters about a month ago. It's like the worst places, the worst stadiums you've ever been to, and I was like Falcon Field by far. Like, and they just replied back with, uh, like, some gif of some little kid with a single tear dropping down. And I'm like, yeah, you should. You how was how was your state your NHL hockey uh, stadium series game there? Awesome. With Avalanche. Dude, yeah, I right? probably got in. We're not getting he's, into it. We're not getting he's in. actually calling in for me. He's actually calling in for my 25 right, or the parking lot right now. He's I'm still in traffic on the way home. I'm about ready to get into the stadium right now. Is Tracy driving as you drank singer, the Malort the whole way home? Some country singer that Joel listens to is about ready to get on between the first and second period. Bro, there's nothing wrong with You know who you guys didn't mention for top, for top player? You know who you guys never mentioned? And I, and I just totally forgot too, but I was just like looking around a list here. Greg Myers, we didn't even mention him. Myers is uh, – He's definitely going to be a top three or four guy football player wise, right? He's definitely yeah, there. He won. Yeah. He won. If he didn't hurt himself doing that kickoff, right? Remember that game he kicked off? He kicked he off that, and he hurt himself. Like, he I think it was against BYU. That was against Wyoming. Yeah. Oh, Wyoming. man. I guess who? Wyoming. Against Wyoming. Yeah. We lost yeah, all our BYU was on the road. That's right. Unbelievable. Yeah. So in, in that three year uh, stretch, so we had, or God, he was a big. So CU had Dion Figures, Playboy All American Award. Then the next year was Myers that won it, and then Chris Hudson won it. So three years in a row, the state of Colorado like dominated the. Uh, That's pretty cool. Board. That's pretty cool. Imagine if Bibbs stayed for like even two more years. Ugh. God, we, he would have just. I think he would have been like a third round draft pick. Or he, I don't think you know what I'm saying. I think he would have. 
God, I wish he would have stayed one more year. That that, that, that we wouldn't have D Hart. Yeah, but I, 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 D, D Hart was great. But I would like, take Vince. D Hart, yeah. you know, obviously Capri didn't get a well with McElwain. Say that again. Yeah, like McElwain had D Hart was D Hart's guy, right? Or D Hart was uh, Mac's guy, and yeah, yeah. Bibbs and yeah. Bibbs and Mac Bibbs and Mac didn't see eye to eye. It sounded like right. So it sounds uh, like apparently to the Instagram machine. Yeah, well, yeah, just on the Twitter or Instagram. Yeah, interesting stories there, huh? Yeah. But, oh god, frustrating. Both of those, like D Hart and and Bibbs, amazing season. So much fun. So much fun. D Hart had an amazing game against the Buffs, 2014. Dude, when he when he like just trots into the end zone, yeah, and yeah. then points yeah. up, points, points up. up, and the cannon goes off like right in his ear. He doesn't even. Yep. Flinch. Awesome. Uh, the good old days. The good old boys. days. I feel, like the good old days. The, I feel like I'm back in 1988 at a Winger concert. This is great. He's only 17, Joe. <laughs> Meadowlands, 98. Dude, Meadowlands. I had my mullet in the backseat of a Nova, 76 Nova, for the Colt 45. Nice. All right, guys. So, so we got, we got we gone way over. So I have um, one last question, relevant, like a real, real, like, topic question, the only one of the night. Um, so the NCAA just announced that student-athletes can now get paid for their likeness. So that means if you are Trevor Lawrence from Clemson, you can go do a head and shoulders commercial and get paid for it without getting in trouble from the NCAA. Um, is this is this good or bad for for the likes of CSU and for college football in general? It's good, but can you see like any uh, like SEC or Pac-12 softball players in commercials? Or is it just going to be football players and basketball players? No, I mean, I think Men, it's, right? it's, it's what the – I think it's okay. First of all, I think the premise is okay. I, I really do. They make so much money for the university. And the kids, if the kids are that good, they're going to make it anyway in the pro. And they're getting paid under the table a lot anyway. A lot of them are. If companies think that a college student athlete can help them sell a product – then they're going to do it if if you know so it's going to be like the Absolutely. highest pro, it's going to be the highest profile players on each team so i don't really necessarily see how this could be a negative uh, it's it's good why not i mean every other student is eligible to do this right uh except for student athletes so it, it's it's great for the student athletes uh, it's going to benefit the, the biggest stars and i don't really see a negative quite honestly for a csu or a g5 conference school because i think if you are a big time player and you have the opportunity to go sit behind so and so for two or three years um or you can go start at a g5 school for three four years and be a name and be a big time uh personality in that market yeah you're going to be selling products <laughs> you're going to be you know you yeah, can yeah, yeah for sure so I think it's actually a positive. So I, I, I have no I, issue with it at I all. I think it's good. You don't have any issues with it, Mike? No, I yeah. think I think it's a I, like you look at you look at somebody like Bradley, who was who was popular on a national scale as as a CSU quarterback, but a good looking kid, rambunctious, Likeable. outgoing. Why not let him make money? You look at someone like me. If I would have been playing baseball at that time, great looking guy. 
Carrying it. Trace Margaritas spoke for a 40 inch bat. Um, but yeah, you're going to, you're going to be, you, you can make money doing that. And why not? Oh, good. Good you swing a wonder boy back then. <laughs> All right. So uh, <laughs> I got to tell you, uh, I was on a, I was on a zoom with, and this is me big time. I was on a zoom with Joe Parker and, uh, and Coach Adazio on, on Monday. Uh, somebody on the Zoom was like, oh, yeah, I played baseball in the, in the late 70s or something like early 80s, something like that. I wasn't paying attention. I was like, hey, I was like, back in 1992, when I was a junior in, in high school, I got a recruiting letter from CSU, and then they dropped the program two, two uh, months later. And I was like, and a lot of people want to blame Title IX. I think it's because – they realized they were sending players like me recruiting letters <laughs> and it was time to just fold up shop because, because <laughs> <laughs> they were recruiting me. <laughs> and Joel was already on the team. <laughs> uh, we, we were, we Could got, you imagine if we, we were the Rio and the Wax, so they, they had me on the team. That That's not a good sign. Could you imagine what, if we were teammates? That would have been fun. Oh, it would have been fun, yeah. I, I know. You and I, you and I riding pine. Uh, yeah, that would have been good. <laughs> oh, guys, you can do it. <laughs> All right, so so last thought related to that. Part of their their wording in this new legislation or whatever you want to call it, the way that they're structuring this is it, it would not allow for, like, a resumption of the EA Sports NCAA football video game ah. because they don't want – to show players absolutely ridiculous in their uniforms or anything that uh, shows the school markings. So that's like that was like the biggest thing I was excited about. That would have been huge. Yeah, that, that's the thing I would be excited about too. 2008 with Jared Zabransky on the cover, and uh, I'm dying for a new a new video game. And that's you can have like Steve, you can have like Steve Cutlip pimping like, right. mar magic markers, and highlighters. So you <laughs> highlighters. <laughs> So you know you can download updated rosters for the last EA Sports. You you told me that. I'm I'm currently playing with the 2017 on Xbox. Game, Xbox 360. Okay, my son has that, and yeah, I have yeah. and I have 2014 NCAA 2014 with uh, is it Desmond Howard on the cover? Right, yeah. Yep. I got I got Coleco Vision. Is that no, it's not Desmond Howard. It's not Desmond Howard. It's uh. Is it? It's uh, shoelaces, shoestrings. Robinson. Yes, Robinson. Robinson. That's his name. <laughs> Shoestring. Yeah, we. Oh, need, I so, mean, come on, man. What? That's a no-brainer. Bring wait, back. Like, isn't it Desmond Howard? It's not Desmond Howard. It's Robinson. He was on one of the covers. Yeah, probably in like two thousand. No, he was never on. No, a cover. like post, like way post uh, his Heisman winning days. It was after he's think... done with the NFL. He was on a cover for EA Sports. I'm telling you, it was not Desmond Howard on in two thousand four. It was it, it was Robinson. Robinson. It yeah. was Robinson. Yeah. I, anyway, I have that. That was the last one, and you could download the current. So you could download the two thousand nineteen CSU Rams. So you can get Pat O'Brien. Who is updating that stuff? Yes. 
there are like four dudes in the United States who watch all the game film of the colleges. These and guys break are heroes. Down. I need. We oh, need yeah. to get them on. We need to get them on this wow. podcast. Yeah, that'd be okay. cool. To I will. To. I will work on it. Well. And and you know the other guy related to that, Clint Oldenburg is the guy. I was going to say EA Sports. Dude, he he, he does all the movements for him. That's that's just what a cool job. I mean, that's the coolest job in America. <laughs> I would I would I would think there's a couple others. You just you just <laughs> finished you just finished one of them. Uh, what? what you just I, said that you finished. Oh okay. <laughs> all right, buddy. Yeah, H. I think that one might be a better gig. Uh, yes, being a cameraman, being a cameraman for a certain channel, uh, or the actor. Like, I oh, would an be, actor. Who would he be better? Oh, I, I just so Joe, you'd be the fluffer. Joel would be the uh, cameraman, and I would Peter, be the uh, performer. Peter did North. I, did I ever tell Peter you? Peter North the, was a role model line in the eighties. My my uh, my marketing company. We did a um, we produced. I get crap from my friends on this all the time, but we produced this show called Broke Straight Boys, and it was literally a show about guys that were supposedly straight that did gay porn for money, and it was a cool like reality TV show. Like we like we did everything up until the door closed. Um, we had eight episodes. It aired on a couple networks. Uh, it was it was cool, but uh, never made it real big. But that's my closest. That was awesome. Yeah, it doesn't sound wow. awesome. You can find it on YouTube. Go 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 find it. Broke straight boys. Boogie nights, Joel. There's Boogie nights, Joel. I don't remember Joey's episode. Dirk Diggler, buddy. Uh, that was a good movie. That's Dirk one of my top five. Wasn't it? One of my Peter North still one of my heroes of the eighties. <laughs> you know, right. you know, I'm talking about Shep. You know what I'm talking about? Nice. All right, all right, all right boys. Uh, this is a blast. Let me, let me once again encourage everybody. To no shaving, it. no shaving in the '80s yet. You know what I'm saying? Oh, it was a good time. You gotta let. You gotta make the bird look nice, right? Uh, you gotta, you gotta trim it down. So, hey, uh, please, please support our sponsors. Ginger Baker, we talked about in the first in the first segment. Mighty River Brewing Company. Um, they're, they've obviously been taking a hit like everybody else with uh, not being able to open their tap room and their courtyard, which is really cool all outside. Um, but they're, they're surviving with their to-go and their delivery orders. Uh, the Miller brothers are big time Ram Nation and CSU alumni hey, guys. Quick, quick thing on that. So those of you guys that come to, to my tailgate, they tailgate directly north of us. So on the other side of the uh, health yeah. center, just look we'll for Spaceballs, right look so, for the Spaceballs RV, and then go north. Yep, and they have a oh. they have a smaller version of the Spaceballs RV. I didn't know they were in the I didn't know they were in the library lot. That's awesome. No, they're right above it. They're in the uh, health oh. health health center library. Oh, okay, the, just the next to it. Yeah. Lot. They're good yeah. guys. They are awesome guys. Um, I I mean I I've had several of their beers. My favorites are the the Cutbow Kolsch. Uh, what, particularly like when I'm thirsty for for a lighter beer, and then the eight percent Pine View Double IPA, which is fantastic. So go to MightyRiverBrewing.com and uh, check them out. Stop in and pick up some growlers, some cans, and and help support them. But, uh, 
boys, this was a, this is a great time. I want to thank you guys. I want to thank our listeners, and especially uh, Bradley Van Pelt uh, for spending BVP for spending so much time with us. Uh, this is this has been a great time. So hopefully we will uh, see you all next week. Right on, guys. Take care, Denzians. Peace out. <laughs> the denizens, Joe. You got you got you got corrected on that on the message boards the other day. What the? Yeah, you. It's not Denzians. It's the denizens. Well, that's what's funny. I pronounced it wrong. Right. And you. But last that. week you didn't say that. You. What did I say? No, what he did. Last week? He did say it. But and then he also says button down the hatches. Yeah. Well, that that that's an old school. <laughs> that's button an old down the hatches, baby. Yeah. Ramation <laughs> Right, right. Uh, and there's some people that still don't get the um, like it's stick. Uh, you, you you always get corrected by someone. Oh my god! And even on Twitter, you know they'll, they'll correct me. I'm like, oh my god, get a sense of humor. So, All right, boys. Love you, love you guys. All right, boys. Have Thanks a good night. It was a pleasure. Go Rams. Right, guys. Later, go Rams. <laughs>